Hey guys, Dustin Wynn. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. back to bat for us radio oh boy we have been waiting a while to do this one well let's just jump right in bat for us tom is here hey i'm robin cross and this week we are doing a focused exploration of definitely one of my favorite books ever and maybe one of tom's as well uh, this is the department of truth written by james tynan illustrated by martin simmons lettered by aditya bidikar that really unmistakable signature look of the series by designer Dylan Todd and the, I assume, a huge task of editing this monster uh, by Steve Fox. And uh, some special acknowledgements to a few other artists like Tyler Boss, John Pearson, Jorge Fornes, Elsa Charretier, Allison Sampson, and David Romero, who have illustrated single issues uh, of the series as well. So... This book began in September of 2020 from Image Comics. It includes elements of conspiracy theories, history, political history, religion, horror, all while being the story of a man, our main character, Cole Turner. Now, we are also joined by some very special guests uh, for with a, a really unique link to the fabric of the story of the Department of Truth. So, Tom, who are these people and why are they here with us so uh department of truth came out and uh to give you guys a background um got super into ufos the bat force was worried about me they were worried about uh my well-being they were worried about still are uh, what was going on with me <laughs> jokingly i leaned heavily into it uh years ago getting into like conspiracy theories and ufo phenomenon and all that and all that was trickling into the mainstream as many people listening right now anyone could say like you've heard about ufos and stuff in the news lately uh while all that's going on in the background i stumble across this young man named ryan bledsoe who was tweeting at the time um, amongst those kinds of topics, one of them being my family was studied, my, my family grew up in a haunted house and was studied by the government. Hmm, okay. So I clicked on his Twitter handle, um, followed a link to a YouTube page, and it was opening Pandora's box after that. Um, this gentleman, Ryan, and his family, and through extension, friends like Nick and Alex, have experienced things that are absolutely mind-bending, um, just beyond comprehension. And I figured this would be a good opportunity. We just did a Grant Morrison episode where we talked about his experience um, as an experiencer. That relates much uh, much more and, and much clearly with and resonates well with Ryan and his family and his friends. Um, Ryan, can you tell us who you are, who Nick and Alex are, what you guys do, the podcast, and what it is that you guys have experienced and what are you trying to do? 
Sure, yeah. Thanks so yeah, much well, for somebody, having us here, guys. Somebody go find Alex first because I don't know who uh, – <laughs> I don't know what happened over there. Are, are you okay? Is should I, Is there a that's ransom a good amount? Point. Who is that masked man? <laughs> We're just assuming that's Alex and not somebody that, like, broke into his house. This was a government plant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not off the table, man. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> no, but seriously, thanks for having us, man. And, uh, yeah, my name's Ryan. I uh, basically – um, grew up with the real story of the Department of Truth, and um, my two friends, Nick and Alex, here with me tonight, pretty much convinced me I had to make a podcast at some point. And, you know, next thing you know, we're coming out with Bledsoe Said So and basically telling the story. And, you know, here we are today. So, mm. can you tell us a little bit of background on like um, your dad's experience, Chris Jr.'s experience, your guys' experience as a family? Uh, Nick, Alex, the things that you've seen. Can you tell us a little bit about that so the listeners can kind of get a sense of what 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 are we talking about here? <clears throat> sure. So in 2007, uh, January 8th of 2007, my dad had his initial encounter with my oldest brother, Chris Jr., and um, three of their contractors that they had been working on a housing project with. They just wrapped up. They go to go fishing and just kind of celebrate finishing a major job out at the beach. And... Um, you know, they're fishing that night, and my dad's not really feeling it. He walks away from the group, and, um, you know, next thing you know, he's seeing these big balls of fire in the sky while simultaneously, um, about half a mile away, my brother is kind of seeing these entities in the woods. And um, this went on to become documented on the Discovery Channel, known as UFOs Over Earth, which came out in 2008. Essentially, you know... My dad's experience was not the conventional flying saucer, you know, that you always hear about. It was, um, it was, it tended to be more like these lights, these big balls of light, and um, the entities in the woods were just they they were had this glow about them and this glow that came out of their eyes, and you know, at at, at a period of about two hours, my brother sat there face to face with one of these little things, three to four foot tall, just looking at him right in the eyes, and uh, the whole time it was holding eye contact with my brother, he couldn't move. And um, he just physically could not move. He's he's not sure to this day if he was paralyzed from fear or if it had some sort of, you know, hold over him to where he couldn't uh, move at all. But he was he was stuck in that location um, in the woods um, for for about two hours. And then meanwhile, like I had said, my dad walks away from the group. He goes about a half mile walk through the woods. And um, you know, out in the country, you know, you grow up hunting your whole life and fishing and all kinds of nighttime activities in the woods. It just doesn't really scare you that much, you know. So. Just kind of walking through the woods all on their on their um, on their own there, and that night for some reason it scared my dad really bad because as he was walking through the woods he heard this rustling kind of like in the brush and he was like is it turkeys is it chickens what is it what's making that sound but every time he would be walking up this trail um, the rustling would follow him and when he would stop it would stop every time for about a 15 to 20 minute walk. And it had his, you know, his hair standing up on his head and he's getting down and he's looking under the bushes. What is this? What is this? I don't know what this is, you know? And when he gets to the top of the path, um, he sees on the horizon, there's these two big balls of orange fire. They kind of look like really big setting suns, but there were two of them. My dad kind of freaks out. Oh my God, that's not the sun. You know, there shouldn't be two. And then a third one shoots up beside it. And, <clears throat> My dad loses his mind. He freaks out. He runs back down the path um, about that half mile, you know, path from where they were fishing to to the road where he just was. And when he gets there, it's completely dark at this point. The truck is moved. The fire is out. Everybody's kind of looking around like, where have you been? Where have you been? 
we come to find out through the official investigation that my dad had accumulated four hours of missing time, which for anybody that knows anything about paranormal investigations, that indicates he was taken, was completely gone physically for the duration of four hours. And, um, you know, the story, and I'm skipping over a lot of details here because there's a whole documentary and, you know, we got so much to cover tonight. But uh, the story kind of ends with them all freaking out, seeing lights in the sky above them, um, eight big white balls of light scramble around in the sky, and then some number of them shoot down on the other side of the river and land in the woods, and then they all hop in the truck and they get out of there as fast as they can. And then, you know, paraphrasing here, my dad and my brother um, – they see an entity in our backyard that night and, you know, waited 10 months. Then he reported it to MUFON.com and then they had a full-scale investigation. And now flash forward to 2022, we're being studied by CIA, NASA, um, pretty much every intelligence agency in America has come and knocked on our door. Yeah. Just the story. That's that's the craziest. I mean, the the story itself obviously is wild. And the most interesting part to me is, okay, you hear a lot of these people having experiences or whatever. And, um, you know, people say, okay, whatever, you know, I'm sure you guys experienced it. The things that your dad went through, the things that your family went through, the ridicule, um, the shaming, saying that you're crazy. This isn't happening. Your dad is, you know, family members saying like your dad is, uh, you know, this is demonic. You shouldn't be talking about it. That happens with a lot of these stories. But what I recognize that didn't happen with most of them is that the U S government goes and studies mm-hmm. this family, which um, openly. If peop- openly, yeah, if people go online and they Google your family's name, um, they will find pictures of Jim Samivan, uh, Joe McMonagall, John B. Alexander. Um, what's the gentleman who got really close to your family? Uh, one of the first guys that came out. In Hal, the- Hal Pavenmeyer. Yeah. Hal Pavenmeyer. Um, all these people, all these names might not mean a lot to the listeners, but if you Google them and you understand who they are, it... <laughs> Tom DeLong is probably one of the biggest ones in the, in the in the news right now. Um, he's been to your family's property, or I think you guys, have, your dad was over. No, his... Yeah, dad's flown out to him. He's never been to our property, right. yeah. but, but they've met on multiple occasions. Right, as as most people know in pop culture, Tom DeLong, you know, left his band to study UFOs and the phenomenon. He's recently come back, but during that time that he was gone, this is that, what he did. That band, if people don't realize by name, that's Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if people are like, why did Tom DeLong leave Blink One Eighty Two? It's to go talk to Chris Bledsoe. That's what he did. And um, that's one of the things that he did. And one of the one things. Of the, yeah. One of the things. And, and one of the most incredible things that your father experienced um, that has been uh, another significant thing that links directly to this book, which is why we wanted to have you guys on so much, is can you explain the, the lady a little bit? Sure, yeah. So <clears> – <throat> The story I was discussing earlier was when, with like the very first night that it began in 2007. But, um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, all these years later, it never stopped. And we still see lights in the sky and have incredible synchronicities and, and in some cases have even had other occurrences of missing time. And, you know, a ports, which for anybody that doesn't know what in a port is, it's a paranormal term, meaning like things just dropping out of thin air. We've had all kinds of poltergeist activity, and the list just goes on and on and on. It still goes on. And um, shoot. Um, okay, so the lady. So, yeah, so that, that all began in 2007. And then five years later in 2012, my dad had another major encounter. But this time it appeared as what started as um, three beings of light. 
were basically said to my dad at 3 a.m. Arise. He hears this voice and he hops out of bed and he's like, oh, my God, you know, it's it's uh, like the night after Easter or it's it's Sunday that night, you know, going into Monday. I know it was Easter of 2012. And he hears this voice 3 a.m. Arise. He gets up. He gets dressed. He goes out to the backyard and there's these three entities standing there. And they walk my dad through our backyard, and they give him this little object to hold. Um, I'm not going to go into much detail about the object. Uh, we can go deeper into that um, later on. But they essentially, they give him this really weird object. And he walks to the backyard. He puts it in the dog kennel. It has some symbolic meaning to it. And he's like, these entities say, this is your burden. You know, hang on to this. It's this very weird little organic thing that kind of gnashes about and... You know, it's like doesn't have legs or a head or arms, but it looks like the torso of a tiny little fluffy dog. But like it, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't like follow the rules of what should be and what shouldn't be. And they, they're like, hold on to this. And anyway, long story short, they end up explaining to him that it's symbolic for mankind's nature and us not knowing which way to go or 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 um, um, which way we should we should be looking towards, you know, the natural way of life. And anyway, um, he throws that in the kennel, he locks it up, and when he turns around, there is this bull, this big ethereal bull, and it just rushes right through my dad and knocks him over on his back. And when he gets up and he rolls over and he's on his hands and his knees and he looks up, uh, floating off the ground is a, a literal floating apparition of a blonde-haired, blue-eyed White, yep, that's the that's a depiction there. A blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman in a white gown that from neck to toe, it was twinkling like the stars in the night sky. And she said, you know why I'm here. Um, you know what this is about. This is your burden. You got to go and you got to tell your story and what you've experienced to the world. Uh, she gave the name Hathor, like the Egyptian entity. She said that Amun-Ra was the hidden one. Um, the name of the hidden one and that basically, you know, we're approaching the age of Aquarius and that it's important that the world um, hears the story of these lights so that they'll have a chance to hear the truth ahead of, you know, the government putting out lies and pop propaganda about um, flying saucers and physical monsters that they want us all to believe, you know, and um you know, there's a lot of con uh, context there, and it, it just goes deeper and deeper. But uh, that's kind of like the crux of mm. it, and, and and what she had said there. Beautiful. And so, with that story specifically, with this image, with about the lady, um, what blows me away is okay. I'm listening to this story about the lady, listening to this story about uh, Chris Bledsoe. You know, listening to Ryan. You guys started a podcast. You guys are uh, you know working with Nick and Alex, and. Um, Lo and behold, one of the covers... How does this all relate to Department of Truth, guys? Uh, lo and behold, one of the covers to issue 7 by artist Tyler Boss is this little ditty. <laughs> okay? It's uncanny, man. It's like, uncanny. So, so that's something that blows me away is a lot of elements that we'll get into right now that you are describing are directly in this book. And um, it's just... It, it blows me away that, like... 
there's just like you say synchronicities there's a ton of synchronicities happening in the media um in in the world in this comic book with that that relates all back to this story and this experience and that's kind of what we wanted to get into like we mentioned uh robin has done an insane job with uh, doing some research so the rest of us are going to sit back while him and nick kind of take it away from here but ryan um ryan sorry Robin, what is that's gonna fuck me up all night long, dude? <laughs> may may <laughs> I just <laughs> is it okay if I jump in one last time? I forgot okay. to say this entirely for the people who have no clue about the story. Whoa, I, Alex transformed. Hold up, what? What? Uh, oh the last god. time I saw you, you looked like you needed help. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> did, did you make this. a deal with wow. the guy that was in your chair or something? Uh, me again. Oh, you couldn't okay, even hold okay. it ten minutes. Come on, man. Anyway, did, I, I did, before we move on, I did want to say that. Um, the entities did i didn't even mention this but they told my dad we ended up finding you know it's been 15 years going on 16 years since these experiences started and it's important to know that through hypnotic regressions and through more encounters and more experiences and and um more face-to-face interactions with entities and i've even been face-to-face with one or two um and anyway so where i'm going with this is they ended up telling my dad they were uh these you know they're 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 basically like angelic you know their purpose here is they created us and they protect and they nurture life they guide us towards our evolution towards eventually you know we're over reincarnation through many lives we're evolving towards light you know and like that's that's essentially their whole purpose here is is taking care of us like a garden Mm. uh almost mirrors to a t the experience that grant morrison had in that temple after visiting the temple in Kathmandu. Um, another reason why, like, this is all just kind of related and folds into itself. Uh, Robin, where do you want to take us from here? Uh, well, before we jump right into the comic, I wanted to point out one other thing. So what I was doing, uh, you know, the, the book has been running for a couple of years now. So I wanted to go back to the beginning and just do a, a little review and refresh my memory of some things. And while I was doing that, it came to my attention. I don't know if James and Martin are aware of this. Uh, I'm going to mention this to them. But the Department of Truth comic book is now, it seems, so there are a section of people who hate this comic because they see it as a, a covert attempt to squash conspiracy theories and make it look like conspiracies are, are all not to be believed. And all these pro-conspiracy theory guys hate the book hate James Tynan for writing it. And they think that this is some government uh, sanctioned, yeah, uh, attempt to discredit conspiracy theories. So the, the comic itself is now part of a conspiracy theory. And I, I, I kind of hate <laughs> the word meta, but Jesus. ironically, <laughs> people have that theory about me as a person, yeah. you know? So <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I just, there was a thread put out about me yesterday being a government plant. So let's bring it. They got their own weird desk now. The (laughs) Department of Truth has its own weird desk. Yeah. So anyway, uh, basically, I I will begin to lead us through a summarization of the main story beats uh, and the conspiracy theories used. So as we get through each each conspiracy theory that comes up, Tom or whomever would like to explain uh, the details of those uh, can, can go right ahead. Uh, as well, if if I gloss over anything, uh, any story beats or, you know, any details or anything, feel free to interject. So let's keep this uh, very much a group discussion uh, of the story and the themes. Uh, I think that'll be uh, conducive to the best examination of the story we can do. Sweet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, jump in anytime you want. Uh, I 
tend to not shut up sometimes, so just just jump right in. <laughs> You're in good company, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Department of Truth, issue one. Uh, this introduces us to some of our main characters, uh, beginning with Lee Harvey Oswald. If you haven't read the book, be if you haven't read the book already, go back and read it before before you listen to any of the us spoiling it here. Uh, the book really does uh, you you owe it to yourself to experience it For sure. as it is. Uh, so it introduces us to our main characters, Lee Harvey Oswald. Yes, it's that Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, <laughs> we see him being interrogated in 1963. Uh, so after the assassination, then we come to present day and we meet. Cole Turner. Uh, we also meet Ruby. Uh, we're introduced to the Department of Truth itself and the woman in red who we were just speaking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- so th- this issue takes us not only into the JFK conspiracy itself, we're introduced to the, the flat earth conspiracy theories uh, and uh, yeah, the right into the, the Bledsoe family links with, uh, with getting this this woman in red who is you know the the comics interpretation of the entity that you were just speaking of uh something that they also kind of touch on in this issue that um uh you guys you know can can jump in on this the idea that um group think or like a group mentality can change the physical physical uh reality so the fear is, is that if too many people believe in one thing that it will physically manifest into reality and so the the Department of Truth, they're tasked with stopping that from happening. Because technically, you know, yes, if you all think on a bad thought, and if enough people think about it, bad things can happen. But what's the reverse side of that coin is even thinking positively can change something. And that's a dangerous thing for anyone to have power to do, I think. Um, and that, yeah, that's very that much what Grant theory. Morrison talked about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good point. Grant Morrison is a... is. I didn't know that he was so into like metaphysical stuff and occult stuff until, oh, yeah, until we talked to you on our show. And I was like, what? I mean, I, I'm super familiar with his work, but I didn't know that he was into that kind of stuff. Uh, and that was also before, you know, I had read Department of Truth, uh, which is like, yeah, it's all about manifestation. I, I love that, like, the spotlight of the book is manifestation because it's such a new age thing that a lot of people are talking about. Like you notice like everybody's talking about manifestation these days. Mm-hmm. Like, like everybody, I feel like I can't turn on a show or a podcast or anything without them talking about manifestation. Uh, and, and I believe in it. I believe, I believe it's real. And uh department of truth just does the coolest job putting that into like a fictional setting, but using real life examples. It's, it's, really awesome yeah i i I can't say enough uh about this because not only is it a a really cool concept well put together james is a a brilliant writer and martin's art is just insane the art is so gorgeous and and like i was telling my wife is an artist and i was telling her like you have to read this Mm -hmm. babe even if it's just for the art you have to because like i love how like the art style will change You'll yeah. you'll, re- you'll be reading one issue and you read the next one and it is a completely different art style. Like they very cleverly do that with like flashbacks or like if they reference a conversation, you know, or, or something like that. They'll do it in a different art style so you know it's not a part of like the main time continuum yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So genius. What's what's crazy too is uh, shout out Jeremy Ryan's brother. 
um, who Vegas. I abducted in the desert and took to a convention <laughs> in Vegas. But um, yeah, I met up with Jeremy and we, we went to this convention where Martin had his art on. He was selling some of his art. So you open his portfolio. And like the thing about the art too, Nick, like I, I think I, I took some pictures. I got to send it to you. Even oh, looking yeah. at it in the comic doesn't do justice to what yeah. it actually is in your hands because he's, he does multimedia. So he will take not just like comic artboards and not just like traditional forms of art. He will take like strings and metal and he'll cut things out and glue it over and superimpose things. What? And it's it's literally like a, a 3D piece of art, but he scans oh. that. So you don't even get the depth of what it really is. Oh, and, that's so cool. So he uses yeah. like real real yeah. elements and then scans that's yeah. So yeah, and sick. and then and it's multi multimedia too because I don't know if he does it with does this with all pages, but sometimes he's posted uh like process photos and you know showing a, a, an image go from beginning to end and some of the pages at least he yeah he will begin with uh, as tom was saying you know this this mixed media thing but then he'll scan those because that's how all the pages get sent to the uh to, to the publisher anyway but uh some of the pages he will then after he scanned it he will digitally manipulate them further to to get wow. that exact look that he's looking for that's a right. visionary yeah. You you uh when we were on your your podcast, you did a, an amazing job talking about um I'm trying to remember. I think it was like Jack Parsons, Crowley, yeah. um and what they were trying to do. What what was it that you were how did you describe it? Like what they were trying to do then the the phrase of Babylon, the name Babylon. Yeah, so it's it's the Babylon workings. So Alistair Crowley had this belief. Um do you think your 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 listeners are familiar with who that is? Probably. Slightly, they know the name, but they probably don't know. That's why we brought you on. So this is sure, sure, sure. Is, so, um, you, Al- so, so let's just take it one notch back. So, Alistair Crowley is this uh, really um, renowned, uh, very vile, uh, dark magician, so to speak. But like in real life, like not in fiction. Like he actually was into uh, really esoteric witchcraft type black magic shit, and um, you know a lot of truth mixed in with a lot of his dark stuff too and that's a whole nother conversation but anyway so he had this belief he had actually a whole religion called thelema um and a lot of popular understanding of satanism is totally misguided and it actually comes from his writings the whole do what thou wilt and all that stuff and i'm not endorsing this stuff i'm just you know you you know i just like to talk about it explaining exactly i'm reporting yeah yeah Yeah. so anyway so he had this religion called thelema and he had a belief that there would be a woman um, called the Scarlet Woman, who would be born or who would be summoned into the world, and she would have red hair, and her true name would be Babylon, but it's spelled like uh, without a Y, like yeah. like you know the country from ancient yeah, Iran. B-A-B-A. Um, exactly, and he believed that she would be the mother of the Antichrist. Now, th- again, now this is not fiction. Like there, there was a real person in history who believed this and had writings about this. And okay, so moving forward. Um, now, this this guy was from England, and he was up around the 1930s and 40s, you know, long time ago. And he had some protégés in America. His Probably his top American disciple was a, a guy named Jack Parsons, who was a very famous uh, kind of like proto-NASA rocket scientist. Mm-hmm. And he was responsible for starting JPL, which was um, Jet Propulsion Laboratories. My Although, dad works there. Whoa! <laughs> what? Yep. 
Yeah. No wow. Layers and layers. Yeah. <laughs> He's a subcontractor. He's a subcontractor that works. So you're a kind of... spy. You're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I that's why you're all you. here. I never told I'm you out. guys. Uh, it's, you know, they're, they're a dime a dozen in my story anyway. Yeah. True. Um, yeah. So JPL. So um, he started JPL. And he was probably like he's regarded as Aleister Crowley's uh, number one American pen pal or protege or whatever and writing back and forth. And this was before Internet, you know, things like that. So um, they had been members of this very magical order known as the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Aleister Crowley was kicked out because his practices were too vile and they were working on some sort of ritual to pull off in the Mojave Desert known as the Babylon Working. And Alice, I'm um, sorry, Jay, uh, Jack Parsons, and he had a best friend. Now, this one's going to be probably shocking, but also like pretty like, wow, duh. Uh, Jack Parsons' homie or guy that he did all this stuff with in America was actually L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology. And you know, you pick it apart. You 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 compare the the roots and origins of these religions and mythologies, and basically, Scientology is uh, totally just ripped from uh, Thelema, and they throw a little sci-fi flying saucer spin on it. So, did you just come up with two screens? You just Dude, did a shadow. You just, really bro. just gave himself away here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what? Ha- what? Just I think so, I got kicked out, and I jumped back in. Is everything gonna be okay? I didn't yeah, see yeah, you disappear. Yeah, yeah. I just saw another of you come up. Another of moment, you. There were <laughs> yeah. two of you side by side. Dude, yeah. oh, some man. weird things are happening on this episode Blowing already. Your own cover here. <laughs> so I to wrap know. it up, so I don't bore everybody to death. So to, to, to finish it out here, um, Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard, they, did a, they actually per- carried out, according to what some people in NASA had told us, told <laughs> our family, that Jack Parsons and, and – um, um, L. Ron Hubbard did do a, a ritual known as the Babylon working in the desert, and they believe there was some possibility that they could have opened some sort of dimensional tear or something, and that was around the 40s um, when that was reported to have happened, and that's when supposedly, you know, more saucer type or whatever, I don't even like the word saucer because it's, you know, um, so propagandized or whatever, but it, it was around the 40s when all these reports started coming out, and um, Jack Parsons pretty much died like a pretty crazy like insane death i think he kind of went mad from all of his oh that's the symbol that's and that guy's eye is the unicrystal hexagram of alistair crowley see i've never read this i didn't know that was i was just about to say everything that you're saying is on these pages right yeah Yeah. this book is so wild bro yeah i've actually i swear to god i've never read this but that that that's that star in his eye is yeah that's the unicrystal hexagram which was which was created by alistair crowley it's like a it's like his specific spin on a six-pointed star or a hexagram. And anyway, so um, Jack Parsons kind of went insane at the end of his life, and he did meet a woman um, with red hair named Marjorie Cameron, and he kind of like ran off into the sunset with her. No, no, I think L. Ron Hubbard ran off into the sunset mm. with her, and they, <laughs> and they drove off together, and he went and, I guess, founded Scientology, and the rest is history. But um, yeah. this this guy, even though he sounds crazy, he's like the, the fella in history who's responsible for – for getting the whole rocket industry started. So he was a pretty prolific genius. And the whole point of this story here is we have these figures in NASA and um, ancient, um, uh, not ancient, but our, our precursor to our aerospace industry um, dabbling with the elite occult religions. Mm. And their symbolism is, is in some of the seals that they use. Like there's some of the official seals that they use for uh, 
for the stuff that they, I mean, this is like the official U.S. government seals, and they got like yeah. all this uh, occult symbolism in it. Crazy. So, yeah. so insane. And then um, I think this is Ryan or Ryan. God damn it! I did it again. Robin, <laughs> is this from the? Is this from the end of the first issue? Yeah. Uh, is that it issue is. one? Yeah. Okay. Somewhere up in the first. But check this out, Ryan. Look at this. Uh, yeah, look at the symbolism of the Department of Truth one. Seal. Yeah, it's like the one dollar bill. It's very similar to the actual American seal. Yeah. Yep. What is the symbolism of the eye inside of the pyramid and all that? I mean, it, it depends who you ask, man. I mean, I'm not an expert, and I'm not initiated in any order, but, you know, the understanding is that it's the – it's kind of like the Philosopher's Stone. It's like – it's the all-seeing eye of consciousness, or it's, or it's you know, the circle and the triangle is like the trinity represents creation. The circle represents the unity or the oneness of consciousness, and we are threefold manifested beings of mind, body, and spirit, but, you know, we, in reality, we're all one consciousness, so we're kind of like – kind of just manifesting – reality as we go from the top down yeah and it's like that's the uh that's also the uh how do i get out of here the symbol that you guys have on uh your caps and your podcast yeah it's a it's a play at it yeah and that's that's what is known as uh the mythological philosopher's stone well it's actually real and it's just a metaphorical symbol Mm. yeah there's so many different like conspiracy theories and uh reasons for why the that you know some people say it's like the all-seeing eye like the all-seeing eye of consciousness but some people say it's like the all-seeing eye of satan like well, yeah there, yeah there they are so many different but like the one of the things we love to do on our show pretty much the thing that our show does is we like to draw a bunch of circles and look in the venn diagram in the middle of the yeah. venn diagram you know what i mean and, and uh one of the things that you find uh pretty quickly when you do that and like most ancient religions and and like esoteric like thought you know there's there's this triangle with the circle in the middle like ryan's talking about right now it's a and it's a symbol you know it stands for the philosopher's stone which is like essentially what the entire book of department of truth is about which is that you know your your mind can manifest physically the things that it you know if you focus your energy right. towards that you can actually manifest it's like you can have your dream life you, you know what i mean you can your life can be exactly what you want it to be through means of manifestation dude i don't and, know pretty much again and and again is exactly what grant morrison was saying full circle good night everybody yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're out of here you solved it last episode guys <laughs> Go read it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so back where we left off. So, yeah, we we met uh, our main character Cole. He was at this you know, sort of like a a convention for for the conspiracy theory. Uh, he gets uh, scooped up by by these guys that are you know these these wealthy people who are at the uh, at, at the uh, meeting. Uh, they put him on a plane and they they're flying them off with them to show him something. And, you know, the, all these guys are uh, big supporters of the Flat Earth Theory. And he finds out as they're on the way that they're flying him out to the ice wall at the edge of the world. And while they're on the plane, you know, the, they, they, can, they can see this through the windows. And while he's on the plane seeing this, you know, he's, he starts feeling sick because of, you know, he wasn't prepared for all this he doesn't know where he is or what what he was being taken to and 
as he because he's now not looking out the window, this woman who is on the plane wearing red with big sunglasses on asks him if, if he saw. It tells him it's important that you see. She pulls down her sunglasses and she has X's for eyes and is telling him it's it's important that he sees. Creepy. Uh, another yeah, thing too so creepy. something yeah. about something that you learn like through well, at least in the comic that they do a good job of is they show you like um these aren't just like low lives that are pushing agendas or conspiracy theories or whatever these are the elite with the power and the influence of society that are pushing narratives for you know whatever and in part of the first issue you get the impression that like aren't they having a party like they're all they're all they're all standing around drinking yeah. and having a party and mm-hmm. you get you get the sense that like they're evil and that like yeah. they they are it's just you don't, and that's what Cole feels you just feel through the main character this like ickiness and something that's I think uh, crazy for you guys is like that's exactly kind of what you found with um you know these people start showing up to your house Ryan and they're telling you one thing and then you start to slowly realize like all the creepy stuff that they're all into and these are like <laughs> high level government types right. Yeah, I mean that's that's absolutely right, and it's like, you know, uh, it's complicated. I, I I don't I don't know how to say like, a lot of them were into really, really deep stuff like Kundalini yoga and really like spiritual energy healing type stuff, and then some of them were kind of like, you know, some of these folks in the CIA and the Department of Defense were uh, pretty much experimenting with like all kind of psychic research effects, including black magic and things of that nature, really, really edgy, dark studies and remote viewing. And, and, and there's just a lot of crazy stuff that's really gone on, um, in the department of defense. And some of it's icky, some of it's super cool and wholesome. And, you know, it's just kind of like factions, you know, different factions with keys to different research facilities and different budgets to pull off this, you know, crazy ass study that other facilities have no clue that they're doing. You know, it's so compartmentalized in the Department right. of Defense. I think what they did a good, what they do a good job too in the in the book is as you go through the the issues, you start to. I think it starts out Department of Truth. Oh, they're the good guys. Cole, he's being recruited by the good guys, and he's made to think that his um, goal is 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 just. And just like just like what you experienced around with your family, like. The, you start to realize, like, oh, these dudes are kind of like working against each other, or they're yep. trying to get information, and the other guys are trying to get it. Like different branches, different uh, different agencies of like in- intelligence are trying to gather information. They don't talk to each other, and what you basically realized is all these dorks who don't have access are coming <laughs> to you and your family to try to get all the information that your family has. With I mean, you guys aren't government types. You're just. Out, you're just good American, like a, a good, wholesome family with like, you know, morals and you're just living your life. And this entity is choosing to, ex, you know, share this information with you guys. And the government is like, well, we need that information. <laughs> That's exactly correct. Yeah, there was a um, there was an individual who had approached our um, family in about 2012, 2013. And there's there's a book written about him known as American Cosmic. And um, anyway, this this individual was real deal uh, what you would call invisible college or Illuminati if there ever was such a thing. I mean this this guy was was your standard textbook definition of really being involved with these organizations. I mean he had a CIA, NASA, Air Force Intelligence, NRO, um, and believe it or not, Area 51 badge in the trunk of his SUV in a in a folder that he said, could you, you know, come out to my car? I'd like to, to show you some identifications and showed me these, these 
showed these literally flashed these to us and let him know he was at our property on business from XYZ agencies that he had been working under in tandem. I mean, literally there are folks like this who are like, just, just wave a pass and six different intelligence agencies, just let them walk right in. You know what I mean? I mean, my dad, just for example, my dad's in an airport with this guy, this guy flashes a badge and they, they skip right through security. I mean, this guy it's detailed in the book. He walked right up to the Vatican, literally the secret Vatican archives, waved a clearance and just let right in, you know, and people like that have been coming around and, um, he actually did uh, make my dad write down the experiences and the, so to speak, prophecies or visions that this this female entity had communicated to my dad. And he actually took them and uh, reported them to the Pentagon and also to the president uh, at the time, which was Barack Obama, and had sent us – he sent us a napkin in the mail um, from the – presidential resort which is you know camp david he stamped the federal seal of camp david um insinuating that it was sent directly to us from barack obama as he was briefing him on our family so wild and um you know yeah and it's just like it just gets crazier and crazier the deeper we go and this gentleman in particular was one of the ones uh responsible who who made me kind of like keep an open mind in regards to the occult. I mean, that's one thing that he, and and by the way, let me preface when I say the word occult, I'm not necessarily talking about black magic. I'm not talking about evil practices. When, when I, you know, when Ryan Bledsoe or the Bledsoe Setso team says the word occult, we mean it in the true way, which is like just hidden things that are not that common. Like, you know, reincarnation, yoga, meditation, technically in America, these things are occult. You know what I mean? So, Mm. He he put us on to sacred geometry and and um, just really like deep esoteric stuff that that most people don't know about. And that's the kind of stuff they're into in in uh, the Department of Defense and their their deep facilities. You know, their undercover facilities. There, those are the dude. Like they are probably reading Department of Truth right now to see like uh, oh, what's yeah. been what's been trickled out and what's being consumed by uh, and, and you know basically making the connections that we're making right now. Um, let's keep dude, on cruising, guys. <laughs> I was, dude. Well, I mean, guys, like, come on now. Like, what? Uh, yeah, come I mean, on. Like, that's what, what I was saying. They were probably writing it, bro. I'm just kidding. They were probably writing it. <laughs> and and the thing too is like, you know, um, it's just crazy. It's just, just too many, too many uh, synchronicities, too many yeah. uh, things going on here. Uh, I was gonna say, let's keep on cruising. What else pops up in the books, Robin and uh, Nick, that you notice is is also tying into all this? Well, the the first big thing here. So, oh yeah, go oh. okay, go ahead, go ahead. Do you sure? Yeah, I, I yeah, man. Totally go, cool let you go, go nuts, first. man. No, it's okay. okay. Cool. Go ahead. We talked about this a little bit on uh, our episode that we got to do with Tom. Thanks so much for coming on again. That was awesome. Dude, it was a blast. Uh, yeah, it was so much fun. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah, so I'm reading through it uh, at at your suggestion, by the way, Tom. Like you, mm-hmm. you were the one hyping it up, talking about it all the time i was like all right this dude literally is like one of the world's authorities on comic books i think i'm gonna take a suggestion and probably read this comic you guys are too kind (laughs) on that (laughs) no no it's legit it's uh, the bat force uh what conglomerate whatever you want to call it the bat force (laughs) it's it's the coolest it's it's dope by the way to cut in just briefly i was listening today and y'all have a dope fucking podcast like it's yeah it's so awesome it's cool i was catching the black adam episode appreciate it nice yeah but but yeah, so I'm I'm reading through for the first time, and yeah, it's like Cole reminds me. The main character Cole reminds me so much of Ryan, because like this stuff for Cole started when he was like a really little kid, 
and he he feels his entire life like he's compelled like there's this gnawing thing at him that's like i have to know what this is about i have to have the answers and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be able to rest until i have these answers he finds himself caught in between these different organizations like we're talking about he finds himself questioning the things that he believes uh he you know he has like it 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 creates tumult in his family. Like it's, there's so many, uh, uh, you know, similarities between Cole and Ryan, but you know, I'm reading in every issue. I'm like, yep. We talk about this on the podcast all the time. Yep. This happened to the Bledsoe mm-hmm. family. It's yeah. like, boom, 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 boom. And then issue number seven was like the mic drop moment where it was mm. just like, okay, this is spot on. And the entire, uh, issue, and I hope I'm I'm almost certain it's the right one, but uh, it's issue seven is this the is entire thing. Cover. Right. Yeah, he did. the. Yeah, that was the that was that issue. Yeah. So the, the issue is like entirely about uh, like these orbs of light, like people oh, being visited snap. by orbs of light. Uh, it's about the entire history of like uh, UFOs making contact with the modern world, essentially. Uh, and the evolution of that, and it starts as early as uh, wh- when was when was the time? It was all over the newspaper and everything where there was UFOs over Washington D.C. Fifty fifties. Okay, gotcha. So I think it was either that or it was the battle for Los Angeles. Which one was earlier? Oh. There, there was one where it, it, there was they appeared over Los Angeles. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it, it was essentially it started there and then it goes forward and it talks about how UFOs can transmogrify themselves, can take different shapes, can can basically make sounds and do all this different stuff, how they appear before people uh, in a way that will cater towards that person and all this stuff. And it's like, dude, this is quite literally the Bledsoe story. They are, you know, they have for what 15 plus years now 16 yeah been consistently constantly visited by these like these spiritual orbs of light these beings of light and like i mean dude it's it's so spot on that that, that's one of the things that kept me turning the page is -hmm. like are they gonna just like? Am I gonna turn a page and Ryan and his entire family are just gonna be in the book or something? Like, <laughs> it's, it gets kind of ridiculous at a certain point. I'm like, you know, it's the ladies in the really, whole, really the ladies in like every issue, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. that was the that was the other thing is like Babylon, the character in the book, is like at first you think she's evil, but then it gets more complicated, and you're like, who is this chick? And it's and and she seems to be showing up throughout time and history to guide humanity and it's like that's wow. there's a lot of there's a lot of parallels to the lady i mean like that's what the cia told us when when my dad reported that experience with the lady she's like oh yeah you might also know of her as uh the miracle of fatima which is a oh, catholic right. miracle you know yeah <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> oh yo alex said battle of la 1942 thanks alex yeah so it was go. that one because it was the it earlier was. one uh but yeah that one was just like so blatant to me that from that issue forward i just like could not stop reading yeah, and how much she comes into things, like particularly, I I won't spoil it uh, completely before we get there, but when you get to the end of uh, Volume 2, which is uh, the end of Issue 13, uh, there's a, a big revelation about her that shows yeah. just how, what 
her role seems like it might actually be in this. So yeah, I, uh, I, but we, I want to say it's so yeah, bad because it's so relevant. We're gonna, we're gonna get so there. We, we're, we're we're gonna barrel through and get there. So yeah, we, <laughs> we talked we talked about Cole was on this plane with with these rich guys and they were taking him. He looked out the window. He could see the ice wall and this woman in red told him, asked him if he saw. Told him it's important that he that he sees. So they land the plane and they're there at the ice wall and Cole can't believe it. You know he he never believed that that this was true that it could be true and then this car pulls up a woman gets out with a gun and she kills everybody except for cole now the the woman the woman in red is no longer there you know she she's not she's vanished but cole is left with this with this woman who's just offed all of these very uh wealthy influential people up at this ice wall in what were the north pole or wherever they were at and then she takes him with her. So, uh, is it when we come into issue two? So anyway, uh, we see now Cole is driving in the car with this woman, and he thinks that he's going to be killed. Like he thinks this woman's <laughs> taking him somewhere, and he's going to be killed because of what he just saw and what he now knows. But this is where he is now being introduced to the Department of Truth. So we find out. Uh, yeah, he gets. He gets delivered to the library of congress to meet with lee harvey oswald and they basically have poached him so cole was in the fbi and the department of truth are hereby poaching him to become a part of their organization and uh, some of in issue two we get the history of uh, cole's in completely involuntary involvement as a child in the satanic panic oh, yeah. uh, conspiracy. Yeah. So he was, he has all of these memories and He's he an was interviewed and on the news. Yes. So he has all of these memories of being uh, taken down this secret stairway in his grade school where there, w- there was a man eating babies. Yeah. Oh shit. The and you know, yes, star yeah, scarred yes, onto his face. yeah, and and if you look at Martin's art in this, it gets when you so come scary. to to the entities like the star faced man, it gets so surreal and just creepy. Like it goes from being Horrifying. completely real world looking things to just utterly it unnatural. Looked, it looks like the Arkham Asylum original graphic novel. Yes. Like, you know how like insane that looks. That's yeah, what Dave that's what it Joker looks like and, in Department yeah. of Truth. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. what you're talking about. So I forget, wild. I forget what issue it is. I think it's later on, but um Martin did this page where it's the star faced man, like he's like huge, like leaning over a table and he's like cutting like a baby in half and <laughs> at the table and of you know no no political puns intended or anything but it's just an amazing disgusting awesome image but there's <laughs> there's uh uh Epstein Clinton and uh Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton yeah. all sitting at the table and he's like cutting the babies up for them to eat, in is... in the show in the comic in the, in the comic, in the comic yeah. Yeah. It, it's yeah. it's literally Bill Hillary and Epstein oh dude he he super so the artist superimposed like newspaper clippings with like x's on their eyes and he put it into the comic book and so i asked him i'm like dude like this got put in the book he's like yeah i'm like they let you publish this he's like yeah yeah alex jones is in it too yeah that's what i was gonna say next yeah this is too meta through the rest of this arc we we get looks at things like yeah well the 
issue two or three starts off with uh, a look at you know this guy who he isn't named Alex Jones, but it right. it, it looks just like him, and he's yeah. you know screaming about this school shooting that he believes oh, yeah. was faked and, and all yeah. And so yeah, so Cole is Cole is given uh, the history of the Department of Truth and telling them you know telling him a little bit of what it is they're doing. So he's getting a crash course on that this exists and the idea of uh you know these belief manifesting uh, in reality and uh cole ends up finding himself put by lee harvey into a situation where cole has to uh, is told to kill these two reporters who have come into possession of sensitive documents mm. and lee tells him if he proves that he can do this job he can handle this kind of thing then he will allow cole to chase after this star-faced man Mm. shout out real quick to Tynion the writer because I mean as amazing as the art is blowing blowing everybody away as you're reading it he humanizes the shit out of these insane situations with the the issue with the mother um, being not only is her child the victim of a mass shooting but she's the victim of she starts to believe that the shooting was staged because if she believes that the shooting was fake then her son is a crisis actor so that means her son's still alive and it's so fucking heart-wrenching to like yeah follow That's that path writing yeah it's and so, yeah and, and there are like there, there's the other side of uh the things that are making her believe too is that she she sees that footage of this woman in an acting class who looks just like her you know yeah yeah yeah, and it's it's so that's a way that the like yes, there's a crazy amount of conspiracies and themes in the book, but underlying all of it is Tynion's ability to like humanize the characters, and so that that issue is a great example of that. Um, a couple of and we'll get to that one. There's another the Bigfoot issue, Nick. I know you were talking about oh, that one too, because of the father son relationship in it. Yeah, it was just so touching, yeah. and yeah. and that was another thing that reminded me of the blood so so much. Just like those like tender raw moments between father and child about like being believed about their experience and being loved and and like it it just yeah it really yeah. made me think about the Bledsoe's and Ryan and you know his siblings that comes up a couple of times with like experiencers right and how how these people who are kind of involved they're pawns almost in a way like ex experiencers get used as pawns either by the media or by the government or whomever is studying them. Um, and it's like, these people have lives. These people have families that are being ruined or traumatized because of the way that they're being used. And, you know, like you, your family, I think is a great example of that, of how you guys went through so much ridicule um, being pawns for different people, you know, yeah. like uh, the way you were made fun of in the media and the way that, um, uh, you've been harassed and, and it's just, it, it, it's very poignant. Um, and the book does a great job of like explaining that in a way. Thank you. By the mm -hmm. way, yeah. just for the empathy I, part. <laughs> yeah. I think there's another interesting parallel that Ryan might not be aware of, but, um, for those of you who don't know the, there was a documentary done about the blood sows in what year was it, Ryan? Uh, I think it came out in 2008. 12. Okay. Eight. No, eight. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it was like a complete hit job. The people yeah. who did the, mm -hmm. it, it was MUFON who did it. Um, and it was Dicks. a complete hit job. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just complete assholes. But I think it's really interesting because in the Department of Truth, um, the character Hawk 
Yeah. That's his job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his job is to, to like debunk discredit experiencers and like spin it into a story that's presentable uh to go on the news and mold the minds of the general public yeah. and, like, and mm-hmm. hawk becomes such an incredible character uh oh, like yeah. you're the first like by by the by the end of that issue 13 that we talked about holy mm-hmm. shit. yeah you're oh yeah him. i love hawk so much one of my favorite characters but He's i mean like, like yeah. that that was done to the bledsoes you know yeah, that was actually told to me by the individual you mentioned earlier named Jim Simivan, which, by the way, you didn't even say this part, but for those that want to just get an idea for who some of these folks are, I mean, he he ran, this guy in real life, he ran the spy program for the CIA for I don't know how many years, but anyway, he told me in my backyard around a campfire, he said that the guy, the gentleman who directed the uh, uh, organization MUFON at the time and was in charge of the investigation of my family. Jim's words were he was a low-level CIA spook sent in to hatchet our family story to the public. Mm-hmm. To discredit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, can you... Do I remember you saying there was a time when... I mean, obviously, you guys went through all this like bullshit from media from people locally from your church your own family where you guys like suffered right because of being public and then wasn't there a time when semi van like said uh, he came to your house and he's like invite whoever you want i'll tell them Uh who i am and i will tell them i believe i believe chris bledsoe i believe the story you can ask me whatever you want about it and like basically gave gave you guys like like he he like solidified and like you know yeah, he, he like came. It, it, I, people need to Google. Please Google Jim Semivan to understand what this means. <laughs> it's uh, just for frame of reference. And it's not like I'm trying to glorify any individuals or anything like that in their military career. Tr- certainly that's not the case. And in reality, I just feel like when people hear these details, they're going to be like, what the fuck? You know, like that's <laughs> yeah. the scope of this story. And, you know, the 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 level of interest the government has in my family. But this this guy is uh, one of the only living senior service intelligence members of the cia and his rank is the equivalent of like a two-star general in the army so you know when when you look at contractor ranks um they are gs instead of having like private you know i don't know the orders but like a private a corporal or this or that the other they have gs one two three four all the way up to like 21 i believe and what you know based on what he had told us he was gs 19 which is like a two-star general so very very high powered figure sitting in our backyard and you know, yeah. just trying to come and see lights and orbs and trying to get a piece of it. And that, you know, many like that have come. I mean, at one point I found myself literally on like truthfully holding the palms, the hands of the deputy director of the CIA at a bar mitzvah for wow. a political figures kid and just, you know, happened to be the grandson of Robin Leach. And wow. um, so cool. anyway, just like all because we see lights in the backyard, you know, so there's <laughs> there's heavy interest from the Department of Defense and this stuff. Yeah. Wow. So you you mentioned earlier uh, the the aspect of these different agencies uh, trying to get information from you for their own use, mm-hmm. and uh, we come to another parallel of that here in the story because after we left Cole, after being he was put in that position to to kill those reporters to to prove that he can do this job, we cut back to the woman who had picked him up at the ice wall. Her name is Ruby. And we see she has been sent off to a facility that was used by this group called Black Hat, which is 
you know, the opposing force right. uh, we meet to the Department of Truth. So she shows up at this place that had been uh, a facility they used. Uh, all she finds there is uh, a reptilian creature that, you know, uh, one of these created, you know, manifested through thought creatures that they left there because they knew she would be coming. So she shows up, has to kill that thing. And in addition to finding a video that shows them annihilating all of their own staff who were stationed at that facility, she finds that they have a file on Cole. They left this basically for for her, for the department to find there to, to say, hey, yeah, we know who he is too and we're after him too. Wow. Yeah. I like what you said, particularly Robin, about the manifest uh, being manifested from thought. Yeah. So, uh, so again, I haven't read the Department of Truth. So you're saying these cryptids in the story are you find out that they are actually manifested from the thoughts of people? Yeah. The, we get uh, there are so many tulpas, thought forms, yeah. all that kind of thing. Yeah, that it comes up so big throughout this story. Wow. Yo, how about this? How about this, Ryan? In Department of Truth, they explain the origin of the Mothman. Yeah. as they were trying to manifest an alien and it went wrong wow <laughs> and they manifested the mothman and that's how he came into reality that's yeah. deep it's so cool dude this is the best comic bro so <laughs> tulpas tulpas and thought forms are one of the things i've had conversations with um with that's what it, they call them in the book they call them tulpas not yeah. not wi- i don't i don't mean that i've spoken to a tulpa or a thought form i mean this is a subject right. that i've spoken about with people through my contacts and things like that. And they, there, you know, there are folks who, who tend to believe that, you know, such a thing as egregores and tulpas and thought forms are real. Maybe not in the sense that they physically manifest, but you know, my, my whole take, I just feel like this is relevant right now, but my whole take, my whole thing, I've been out there on the internet saying all these years is, you know, reptilians and aliens and shit aren't real. They just want you to believe it is. So it will be. Yeah, dude, that's what I was saying. Like, like, uh, Bledsoe said so. Shout out Bledsoe said so. Uh, <laughs> is one of the things that has cured me of the belief in little green booger men and like all this stuff in the media right now, all the stuff about the UFOs, also related back to this book. That's tip of the iceberg shit. Like, the amount of time people spend on UFO Twitter, on Twitter, arguing about uh, like flying saucers, like. If you dig deeper into what all this stuff actually is, it is so much cooler in real life. Oh yeah, like it's just like I used to. I used to. I want. I still do. Sometimes I I slap myself in the face. Oh fucking Roswell. Oh dude, the 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 Vargina the Vargina video of the being is about to be released. Oh please. And I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. Stop it. Like, you know. And it's like, God, remember. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. It's the but it's it's the Department of Truth releasing that shit, dude. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's one. like, and what you have to question is like, okay, why, there's something, like, why are, why are they pushing so hard? And it's so funny, the game they're playing right now, like, apparently today they were supposed to release, like, another, like, UFO, like, government, it was supposed to be a government, a government report, another government report about UFOs, and surprise, surprise, they're like, well, we're not sure yet. And it's funny, because I have friends texting me, like, oh, dude, did you see, like, I'm like, guys, like, you're gonna trust the government? who's told you like that they're not real for the longest time to now tell you if they're real or not. It's like, it's so over, bro. like <laughs> yeah. you're going to, you're going to the wrong places. The best place to go are experiencers. Like listen to them. That's... It's cause most of it, like, and think about your family, dude, think about the things your family has been saying since when was it? Your dad was first visited 2007. 
Think about everything since then that 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 now has come out in some form and like has been uh, like said. Oh yeah, no, that's true. Like different yeah. versions of whatever it is. You well, I mean, look at the with. Department of Truth. I mean, this is insane. My dad's been publicly speaking about these experiences with this female entity I, uh, since 2012. Yeah, you know, so like that's. I was kind of shocked when you said you met the the writer and the author, and they're like, "No, I've never heard of them." Like, really? <laughs> well, well he, it's the thing. It's like, go ahead. Ryan. I, I I mentioned this. Uh, like, a, was this was what, August? Yeah, August. Uh, I was at a con that uh, James and Martin were at, and I I told them that we were because we were already planning this this very podcast right. back then, and I told them that we were planning this, you know, and uh, mentioned you know, your your family's name and the experiences, and they they were both immediately very interested and wanted to be uh, informed when the episode went up. Wow, would love to mm. meet them. Shout out, dude! <laughs> shout out, shout out, Tiny, and shout out uh, Martin Simmons. Who, so basically, uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I apologize that I think Nick remembers and Ryan remembers I completely spaced on his name during yours' episode. Oh yeah, yeah, it's okay. I space on names all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm space. <laughs> yeah, on we're right the now. worst for that. Yeah. So you're gonna see through this story that the farther it goes in, the more parallels you're going to see. So the you know, the last we had seen, Cole had uh, killed those two reporters. And then uh, Lee sends Cole home, says, you know, take a few days off, deal with that. We're going to clean up the mess of this, you know, make all this go away. Cole gets home to his empty apartment. You know, his, his husband is, is out for the night. And that's apparently known that Cole was going to be arriving home to an empty apartment because he walks in and sitting there alone in the dark is Martin Barker, the head of Black Hat. And uh, he begins telling... Uh, he tells Cole, you know, all this history of the department that Cole wasn't told and clues him in on uh, the department helping spread the satanic panic conspiracy and pulling Cole himself into it as when he was a child. And then Martin also reveals to him that the department had just plucked him, Cole, out of Black Hat's grasp at the ice wall. They had put him there so that they could have him, but the department showed up there just in time to to pluck him away. So there's like threads of, or, or there's there's hints of there being some sort of like future destiny planning. It seems, mm. you know what I mean? Like like mm. I mean from maybe oh, no I doubt. maybe I heard you wrong, but you're saying this kid, Cole, as a kid was groomed to be. Involved with this yeah, without he, even knowing he, it, he got hmm, pulled into familiar, yeah, Ryan. pulled into this uh, <laughs> conspiracy theory, and yeah, sounds and, interestingly familiar. And yeah, now basically. growing up, not only the group that pulled him into it, but the uh, their opposition have are, were both at the same time gunning to to get him onto their side. Mm. Yeah. So for for me, if you wanted the real life version for me, it would be like uh, it would be like the Invisible College and or the Rosicrucians. Mm. Kind of like, hey, pay attention to us, you know, because um, mm. that's a long story there, but yeah. Yeah. And if like you want more, two... shout out Plesso Setso <laughs> for more. <laughs> how, many yeah, you guys... how many plugs are we going to get out of this? Tom? Yeah. <laughs> whole, whole episode. I was well, going to say, we have a quota, right? <laughs> if, you guys, if you guys are, if the listeners are interested in like all of these secret societies and information on the occult, like you guys drop full episodes where you go deep into all that stuff. So if there's anything yeah. that you guys are hearing on this that you're not sure, what does that mean? 
just go on the Bledsoe said so and they have a full gallery or full library of just like all of these different groups all of these different things many of which are in department of truth so if you're reading oh, the yeah, book many. and you're like what the hell is this you guys have already covered like so much of this stuff on your podcast it's funny <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like the egregores and the tulpas and the thought all these all these yeah. concepts we we go into very great detail and thank you dude Th- just thank you for just having us on and just sharing the love and the plugs and the you know that's, <laughs> we are so grateful man I- i'm gonna try to uh plow us through uh, some more of the stories so we can get to to that uh, issue 13 that, that Nick and I talked about before uh, you guys okay. run out of time. So while Martin is there in Cole's apartment, Cole sees, has an encounter with this star-faced man that he hasn't seen, doesn't have any memories of seeing since he was a child and was, you know, pulled into this, uh, this you know, baby-eating thing. And uh, crazy. yeah, yeah. He, you know, was this real? Was he imagining it? But he, he's for the first time since he was a child, he, th- this star-faced man was right in front of him. Mm. And now uh, Martin has urged Cole to get into the department archives. He wants him to. He's just telling him, get in there. Look at look at their history. Look at their information. Look look at what they're not showing you. Uh, so Cole tries asking him about uh, the this woman in red. Well, okay, if if you were putting me there so that you could take me, who was this woman in red? But Martin leaves the apartment just before uh, that. The, the woman Ruby kicks the door in with her gun drawn. She knew something was going on, but you know, got there just too late. I swear, this book is nonstop action. It's yeah. literally nonstop. Like it's like a UFO Turner. Da Vinci Code. <laughs> I was gonna it really say, is. yeah, it feels like a chase scene with like all this stuff the phenomenon in the background yeah and and it it, as far as comics go this is a dense read uh yeah for sure we're 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 not talking like you know it's not like the silmarillion or the iliad but as far as comics go it it is a, a deep read it's it's a dense book and you're going to uh, need to remember some. There you go, Silmarillion. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, one of my favorites. Sorry to throw you off, Robin, but Nick is uh, quite literally um, a, an encyclopedia for Lord of the Rings. So you oh, you, awesome. you caught him there with good points. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, I had to. I got a little too excited, but yeah. Dude, no, it definitely. It was surprisingly dense, but I yeah. love it. Love yeah, I mean, it. you know, it's it's not the Akalabeth, but you know, it's, right. it's still a, it's still a very <laughs> dense read, uh, as particularly as far as comics go. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was kind of shocked. Like, there are parts in Department of Truth that feel like you're reading a novel, like in the best way, yeah. though. Oh, yeah, like the best sure. way. Wow. And 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 every every stretch where you're taking in a lot of information, it feels like there's a lot of reading. You you can be sure that there's going to be a payoff. Like you're you're coming to something oh, big. Dude. As a, everything is is there for a reason. Oh yeah. And uh, as so, we're coming now into uh, issue eight. And uh, I want to show a picture. We were talking about Martin's art and how creative this is. So this is a page in issue eight. And I don't know if you're, if you can blow this up and look at full screen uh, to see what's uh, the border around the page and in between all of the panels, that is like a printed out and you laid backwards uh, writing repeated of the Pledge of Allegiance. And the it's art just direction the, is the, incredible. The kind wow. of cool and crazy and inventive things that Martin Simmons puts uh, puts into yeah. the design of really every page of every issue. 
This you is gotta, calling to me, boys. I'm not dude, gonna lie. Yeah. I'm not a comic You got to, Ryan. There's this Even one if, picture. I don't know if you guys have it, but there's this one page where the whole page is the Scarlet Woman, and there's all these esoteric symbols going down oh, her dress. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's stunning. It's so stunning. Yeah, this it, this book is dripping with occult knowledge and esoteric stuff, but it's packaged in such a good story. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. And and, and uh, the this whole thing, like the the thought forms, the the belief manifesting reality is uh, a theme that James Tynan is uh, is really into. Uh, there are some other books that he reads uh, that he writes uh, on a book called Something is Killing the Children that you mm. continues winning. What like it? I don't know if you guys know what the Eisners are. They're like the Oscars of comics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it just this year, it won the award for best continuing series. Uh, James won the award for best writer. Last weekend, where it was another comics award show, The Ringos, uh, he won Best Writer there. Uh, Something's Killing Children won Best Series and won Best Single wow. Issue. But it's the same thing. But in that story, monsters exist, and um. they manifest from the imaginations of children. So if that you know that that child laying in bed at night that is afraid because they think that the shadow of the tree on their window is, they think that's a monster a monster can manifest from that imagination. Oh, that sounds crazy. And, I want to read that now. It gets, uh, it gets actually stated specifically. There's a spinoff from that series because it's so hugely popular. Uh, another series called uh, House of Slaughter. And it actually gets uh, called out in one of those issues that, you know, all these monsters are all the same. Like all these kids imagine, imagine the same things. You know, they're, they're all shadows and teeth and eyes. Because you know, and it's a cool thing because they're coming from the imaginations of children. So that's right, what they yeah, should yeah. look like. You know, it's just a shadow with teeth and eyes. That sounds awesome. That's... I gotta read that now. Yeah, that's that's bone chilling, man. Dude, yeah, yeah. That's, that's even sick. Ryan. I think like the art is so good that you know guys like yourself, Alex, like who love the conspiracy stuff, um, and also who just know so much about it. It's so awesome to just flip through it. And what's crazy is, like, yes, it's all peppered in, but like uh, Nick was saying, it's peppered in, but it's like, these guys know it. Like, they're telling the accurate backgrounds, they're telling the accurate stories of, like, Crowley, of Jack Parsons, of Hubbard, their relationships with each other, everything that, like, so it's almost as if, like, dude, Tynion, and I think Ryan, or, I'm sorry, again, fucking A. Uh, Ryro, I'm just gonna call you guys Ryro from now on. Uh, Ryan and Robin are now referred to Ryro, so just, just switch their names. I like it. Yeah, but uh, Robin didn't. Isn't Tynion like? Hasn't he been like into this stuff like since he was a kid? Like, like yeah, conspiracies. It, it it really has to be, and uh, like it's, uh, some of his influence too, uh, as far as you know, this uh, manifestation. Uh, I I was curious about this, so I asked him uh, uh, a few months ago. If so, I, I wanted to ask him specifically if Sandman was a big influence on it. Because if, if any of you guys are familiar with Neil Gaiman's Sandman, oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's the show on Netflix right now. But, you know, it's a, a comic that started in 1989 and uh, ran through uh, 75 issues, which is the same length that James is gunning for Something's Killing Children to run. But, oh, wow. uh, you know, so the, the main character... Uh, of Sandman is you know Sandman Dream the you know, the Lord of the Lord of of Dreams, and uh, yeah so basically a, a big theme is you know that all of that you know manifesting reality and uh, so yeah James said that yeah 
Sandman was a big influence uh, for that, as well as uh, this other comic called Fables. Mm. Uh, so yeah, and between the conspiracy theory stuff and the literature he was into, that's you know all the kind of stuff that combined into this stew that he's creating into the, these just crazy stories that he's making now. That's yeah. insane, man. Isn't that crazy to hear that um, as much as you like this, Nick, this isn't even the stuff that's winning the awards that tying in his writing. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, seriously. Yeah. I, I'm like, what? Because uh, Department of Truth has won multiple of those. Uh, what were they called? Yeah, again? yeah. Eisner's. It's, it's, yeah, it's Eisner's, had, uh, awards yeah. and nominations and everything, too. Yeah. yeah. And and both both stories are being adapted up. Uh, Netflix oh, is yeah. doing something's killing the children. Uh, the last really, I spoke, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was speaking with uh, Werther Deladera, the artist on Something Is Killing oh, the Children, God. and yeah, he he's another Talk one. Talk about art. Uh, that his yeah. art is so good. And uh, he was uh, he assured me that you know he and James are part of the writing for uh, for the Netflix adaptation, oh, wow. which is comforting. And uh, yeah, early uh, it might have even been before the first issue of Department of Truth was released. There was a, a bidding war between uh, production companies that were after the the film and television rights for Department of Truth. And you know, someone did eventually win that war, and uh, we we are going to see Department of Truth adapted as well. So awesome! I, there I we hope, go. I hope they Just knocked it myself. out of the park. <laughs> nah, come on, Ryan. Nah, you gotta read it, bro. You gotta Save read it. Yeah. Ad, ad, adaptation, <laughs> adaptations never live up to the source. That's why we haven't seen a Silmarillion movie. Yeah. Right. They, they yeah, can't do honestly, it. That's yeah. That's probably true. But I'll, I'll God damn it! I want to see Glorfindel kill a Balrog. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I want to yeah. see that. I definitely <laughs> want to see that. Yeah. I, I would pay money to see yeah. that. In fact. So yeah. issue eight that uh, that we just saw that page from that introduces this character Hawk that we referred to earlier, and we find out that Hawk is this this hatchet man for the Department of Truth. He's the one that you know for 30 years now has been the guy that has been not only, you know, squashing uh, other conspiracies, but he's been putting his own things out there. And, you know, uh, he has all these ways he's come up with to, to help manifest things he has. He later tells Cole that he has contacts in every major news outlet. So when, when he needs to, to get this thing believed, all he has to do is plant a seed of it. And then he puts it out to, to these news news agencies and gets it uh, uh, just distributed everywhere so that everyone in, in the country is seeing it on the news and putting subliminal uh, images of things into, into Cole's cartoons when he was a kid to, to really beef up his recollection and belief of this star-faced man. To make him remember the yeah. star-faced man. He, they would they would put little flashes of the star face man into his cartoons and stuff Dang. as a kid, so so he wouldn't Christ. forget it. Yeah, and, Dude, and that so and dark. that they could make him then give you know the the maximum effect in this interview that he would give on the news that they put out. That's terrible. Hawk is a really interesting character like that because you see the this you know obvious very bad side to him but you also see good sides to him you see him you know disobey commands to do the the good thing and uh, but then you also have ruby who uh you know the woman who picked cole up at the ice wall she has become his uh partner but really like his his 
sort of chaperone, you know, introducing him into things and uh, until he gets sent off with Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hawk how many, just so a quick cool. question, how many volumes are out currently or issues or I don't know the term. Uh, we're, we're at, uh, yeah, we're in, in the single issues, we're up to what issue 21 or so right now. I'd have to get yeah. my, it's, my it's, it's in the like low 20s. Yeah, Audience, please do not blame me. I am not a comic book reader. <laughs> I am a special guest. I you're you're, you're, you're going to be do, after I do this. not know the terminology. Blame him. <laughs> I do not read comic books. <laughs> but I love nerd stuff. You're safe. You're safe. <laughs> okay. I just realized, oh, shit, man. They're going to hear me say, no, what is no, it? Issue no, I'm just kidding. Man. <laughs> so throughout this issue and uh, through issue number nine, we have a lot of – so, you know, Cole has been sent off with, with this guy, Hawk, and – Hawk has been giving Cole a, let's say, a curious amount of uh, lessons on uh, magic, religion, the Freemasons, Aleister Crowley, mm -hmm. uh, the ability Tarot. of belief to shape reality. Uh, yeah, he tells tells Cole the story of uh, Crowley uh, evoking the the entity uh iwas or however yeah, uh, that, it's iwas actually in real history yeah who who read that that book to him that changed his beliefs and uh you know that led to crowley naming himself the great beast 666 and spoke of his counterpart who was the scarlet woman babylon uh told to, you know teaches cole that crowley was in berlin during the rise of nazism and then he fled to to britain uh, helped uh, the British intelligence services understand what you know what the Nazis already knew about uh, you know using these these symbolism the the sigils and uh, the this belief system to make themselves unstoppable because the world believed that they were unstoppable. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, that was such a cool part in the book. It literally talks about how you know how we we talk about all the time, Ryan. How like when people believe in a symbol it like physically charges, charges that, yeah. that symbol with yeah. actual power or yeah, energetically. So in, yeah, exactly. So in, uh, in department of truth, it was talking about how the Nazis used the swastika because it was already a religious symbol that so many people believed in and followed. So they kind of just like hijacked that belief. Mm. They, wow. they hijacked the power of that belief. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Bro. So cool. Wow. Like, like the lady dude and like, yeah. no offense. Cause I'm Catholic. So I can say it. But mm. the Catholic Church clout chasing the image of the lady <laughs> as La Virgen, bro. I mean, right. come on, son. Yeah. Well, that's it's, actually it's what like... the that's what the the lady herself, the entity, when she was face to face with my dad. He's actually had a couple face to face encounters with her, um, which will all be in the book. Um, oh, um, dude, did you even mention that? By the way, I have not. No, he is currently. He's actually like almost done um writing his book it's slated for a december 1st 2022 launch there's Ooh, shit, there's i mean I, you know i just want to say there's always the possibility they could you know a month push out yeah. push push but for now it's slated uh december 1st website's up um ufo of god but um yeah so that's that's pretty well detailed in the book um his encounters and some of the things that she said and naturally if he wrote down everything every single thing that she said it would be two chapters, three chapters. But um, anyway, that's what she, she said was that um, she's uh, – she, I, I actually forgot what you were saying because I got so excited about the book. What were you <laughs> just bad. saying? I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's my fault. No, it's okay. Well, where do we leave off there? Uh, 
What, what, what part were you trying to, to pick up on? What, what did Babylon Catholic say to okay. uh, the Catholic oh, so, lady? It'll uh, come so, to me. It'll so I, I want to rewind to one part that I missed. So um, Ruby had taken Hawk to this airport uh, where they were supposed to meet up with, with this agent Hawk. Uh, that you know, this was Cole's introduction to him, and this was uh, an airport that the the conspiracy of this airport was that there were there was this huge system of tunnels underneath it, and it was the secret base of this world government. So they were meeting up there, and you know, Ruby is uh, warning Cole. Was it, yeah, I think it was Ruby warning Cole. She said, you know. The, this place doesn't work like reality, you know. Um, I think I have the the quote here. What she said, which was another thing, but by the way, which was another thing Real that conspiracy. they used. Yeah, that they used to reinforce. They were like, well, if if all these people already believe in this real conspiracy that there's all these that there's a secret base under the airport, then Might we should well probably it. put it there <laughs> so that everybody believes. In it. Yeah. Like that's in the book. It's so yeah. cool. We could use the well, office space. It's coming yeah, back yeah. to me a little bit, but but you know, one of the main things that this lady told my dad was that um, there's a dark group in power that's scripting out the Book of Revelations on a global scale, so that the world at large will 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 see these events going on and say, "Oh my God, the Bible is 100 percent literally real." You know, it's the end of the world. We're all going to die. It's and and the goal from these elites in charge is to confuse us spiritually to put out this alien fear that was the thing they're gonna lie about aliens and script out natural disasters and political theater so that people believe the end of the world is coming and therefore manifest it it's it's confused the whole world and try to that's the game of the elites is try to make us manifest uh some sort of cataclysmic scenario but it's not going to happen because experiencers like us and many others are going around saying i've seen the lights i've seen the lights and Mm -hmm. when it spreads enough you know and people know that the lights are real you know the the collective minds in this realm that are thinking about and understanding and having the knowledge of the truth which is there are these beings from other realms coming and seeing us it'll kind of manifest us towards that greater reality so that's what it's all about it's all about the the um it's it's about the collective belief of the truth will change this world we're living in essentially that's why it's important this story spreads yeah and yeah it's so much of of department of truth is about that exact collective belief thing uh that that line i was looking for so as they're going through this this airport that is you know believed you know the the theory is that it's part of the new world order and -hmm. it's the secret base of the world government uh, this uh, cool quote from Ruby to Cole. Uh, she's warning him about being careful here. She says, places like this are dangerous because they aren't real. They don't follow the same logic as real places. You could go down a wrong hallway and find yourself stuck in a labyrinth that only exists because a few people imagined it differently from the rest, and I'd never see you again. Speaking of which, I remember exactly what it was that I forgot. It was killing me, but I oh. got it. You said they're clout chasing with the Virgin Mary. Oh. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, I did say that on the record. That's that's the other thing that's the other thing she said that the divine feminine the force of the divine feminine are you know if we could understand the forces of creation as being these like you know think star wars think the force it's these metaphysical concepts that exist in another dimension but we can kind of draw from them for for energy and things like that the the divine force of the feminine has been suppressed for thousands of years religions around the world have been made to be completely male dominant we are in a very warlike uh, and again, I'm not 
you know, making any sort of like, you know, political or systematic opinion or anything like that. I'm just saying spiritually, religiously, the majority of religions, mainstream religions are about suppressing the feminine energy. For example, women are wearing burqas or, you know, full attire with slits in their eyes or, you know, like nuns and covering their head or, you know, like I grew up Pentecostal women have to wear skirts to their ankles and, you know, long sleeves down. Yeah. You have to cover their hair or grow their hair really long, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on and on and on. But the whole point is when the energies are in balance and as a realm, as a species, we, we remember the truth of the divine feminine that actually in the very way ancient past, they always had concepts of there being in, in, you know, like women were priests. Um, and, 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 uh, there was always a dual aspect to what they understood of the divine. And there was always a sacred feminine part. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the key. That's the mystery, the missing part of the Trinity. The truth is, you know, the Trinity is not the father and the son and the Holy ghost, but the real, real truth is it's the father, the mother and the child or the son metaphorically, which is you and me, uh, created beings, who have manifested from the higher forces of the cosmos or the mm. divine. Hell yeah, dude. In in other words, shout out to all the ladies out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is our Valentine's Day episode. Yeah. We're recording it way in advance. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I went on a little rant there. Sorry. No, no, no. no dude, here, here. And, uh, it totally relates like to real time right now. They're having crazy demonstrations. I was just at downtown Anaheim on Sunday and we were driving past and there was all these people that were like going down to a protest for uh, a bunch of stuff that's happening in Iran right now because of all that's exactly what you're talking about. Uh, you know, the, the government suppression. I heard of, about that. Yeah, it's really yeah, bad right now. Yeah. Government yeah. suppression or religious suppression of like the force of femininity, like the the uh, uh, the power of, of the divine feminine really is what it all boils down to. And it's yeah, you're right, dude. Like, I mean, the book, the book kind of uh, alludes to that, how like. Uh, the Scarlet Woman, like they don't really tell you what she is. And they don't explain to yeah. you the importance or the significance, and it's you know it's kind of been done that way on purpose. And, and to to piggyback off of that, that's why people like Crowley and and very influential, uh, so to speak, dark occultists were taking their shots at the divine feminine and spinning it their way. Because here's the real truth: it is the truth. You know, like there is a divine feminine force, just like there's a divine masculine force. There's a there's a, so to speak, a father God and a mother God, or you could look at nature, you know, there's, there's the rain in the soil, you know, or there's the sunlight in the, in the, in the soil. You know what I mean? Like they always had these ideas of the sky gods being the masculine, the thunder, the rain falling down and giving life or the solar, you know, the sun gods falling down and giving life to the, the earth or Gaia or mother earth. And it's the whole point the ancients were saying is, look, dude. There are cosmic forces way higher than us on some macrocosmic, unfathomable scale that are generating life. And you and me are just tiny little mirror images of that. As above, so below, bro. That's what they were mm. saying. They're saying, as above, so below, bro. Yeah, they put the bro in there. And yeah. if, 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 if anyone who didn't know any of this history, you know, all this stuff about Crowley that Ryan's been telling us, but, but think that you've heard the name before. Uh, years ago, this is probably you know, late eighties, early nineties. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne did a song yep. about Mr. about exactly. Yeah, <laughs> old reference. You're losing the audience. Lots of classic rock bands used like like Crowley symbolism and yeah. like you know like Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin had a ton of like wild esoteric symbolism. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, they bought stuff. his mansion. 
That's right. Yeah, they bought his right. mansion, the Bolesky yeah. Manor on uh, Loch Ness. Yeah, Jimmy Page. Did. I kind of feel like I don't know. This is just my opinion. I kind of feel like that was their way of piggybacking off the energy. You know what I'm saying? Like they were almost like they were piggybacking off. So many people know about you know Aleister Crowley and whatever. So they're like, well, let's put some of this symbolism on there, and hey, who knows? See what happens. Um, I wasn't. Uh, isn't there a claim out there that? Uh... The lyrics of Kashmir, lyrics of Kashmir, um, was a download. Well, yeah, I think so. What was told to my dad was that CIA scientist Kit Green had given those lyrics um, to Led Zeppelin. Which, if you if you know who Kit Green is, I've never met him. I don't, I don't believe my dad has actually met him, but he is the previous um, um, director of the Weird Desk program. Mm. Which was like mm. that program at the Pentagon where you know they're actually responsible for harassing my family in recent years. Um, anyway, sons so, of bitches. Sorry. Fight them, damn goddamn sons of bitches. Anyway, so that that was insinuated was that they had actually given those lyrics um, to them, but I mean I don't know. I mean you know spies tell us all kinds of crazy ass shit. Probably see if we'll go say it. I mean <laughs> I don't I don't point. know. Good point. Just like Hawk. Yeah, literally, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so after after Ruby had told uh, Cole, you know, why he has to watch out in this place, you know, just not veer off anywhere. They get down, you know, into the bowels of this this, you know, tunnel system that only exists because people believe it, it did. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, there are these tanks with all of these, you know, basically tulpas that are, you know, the these things that only exist because they were manifested in into existence and it, within one of them cole sees what you know appears to be the star-faced man and mm-hmm. he starts smashing this glass at it under you he sort of has this this freak out seeing this thing again he's losing his mind and you know he screams that he he didn't even believe in it you know since since he was a kid he didn't believe in this thing anymore but now he's seeing it again and as he's having the, this breakdown, this guy Hawk, who they were, you know, there to meet up with, uh, walks into the room, and you know, just this is the state that he encounters Cole in, having this, uh, this, this breakdown. You know, this is what we we believe at this point that this is the first time that Hawk and Cole have met. <gasps> but you know, we already know some of you know what was done to Cole as as he was a child. Right. So Hawk already. comes in, and uh, he 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 reports to Cole and Ruby that he has torn down the ice wall at the end of at the end of the, the world and that the earth is round as a beach ball. Cole Sorry, asks Alex. like how Cole, <laughs> Cole, Cole asks how how that was possible. And this is this is just a cool insight into Cole uh Hawk's character. You know, when Cole questions how how did you tear it like I saw that ice wall that uh, how did you you're saying you tore it down. How is that possible? Hawk replies I'm the motherfucking magic man of the DOT. Don't you forget it. That's the best quote from the whole shit, man. That's the best quote. I'm the motherfucking magic man. When I heard that, I was like, that's some shit Ryan Bledsoe would say. (laughs) (laughs) The motherfucking magic man. An interesting thing with Hawk is that, you know, if you think about his interactions with Cole throughout, you know, from this issue on, 
he's always teaching Cole things, you know, the history of the Department of Truth, teaching him about magic and the the power of this this belief and manifestation and all this, and teaching him all the things that he knows. Even when Cole is saying, "What what's the point? How how is this all is this? How is this stuff you're telling me helping us do what we're going to do right now?" And you, but he he keeps doing it. Hawk keeps coming back to to giving Cole these uh, these lessons. And mm-hmm. yeah, and it it'll come into uh, into play later. Uh, so after after explaining how he you know that that was how he tore down the ice wall because he's the motherfucking magic man, <laughs> yeah. uh, he he tells Cole that next he's going to make this whole place that they're in this this secret tunnel system, they're going to make that whole place disappear, and Cole's going to help him do it. Such a good cliffhanger moment, too. Like, yeah. I remember, like, flipping the page and being like, shit, that's the yeah. end of it. Damn it. This is this is also, uh, like, these the, this issue, and I want to say the one right after, are some of the fucking best art of, like, oh my God. The, every, like, other page is, like, a splash page of insanity, of imagery and, like, <laughs> esoteric occult symbolism weaved into the story. And it's, like... Dude, you want like a poster for like every page of this thing. It's so incredible. And you know, yeah, like we we talk about how it, how it keeps getting better, the story keeps getting deeper and better and uh, like I work in a comic shop, so I read a lot of comics and when a book starts and you know, a, a lot of books start off awesome. You know, it's it's <laughs> you know, comparatively it's it's you know, I guess pretty easy to make a a book that seems cool in the beginning but (laughs) when i'm reading something that you know it's not like a a story of like a legacy character you know it's not a a batman story or a spider-man story or something you know where they're building off a character with you know decades of history uh when it's something that is just you know an original creation a, a new idea even if it starts out great i generally expect that that story will stay good for around 10 issues and then you know, after you get around 10 issues in if it's still going you get to think yeah well this this the story is just kind of circling around it's probably time that they should wrap this up by now but it keeps going when i got to issue 13 of department of truth it became again my favorite issue of it and then issue 14 came out and issue 14 was my favorite issue. And the, yeah. it just keeps getting better. Like all the, the crazy stuff that we've already gone through, it just keeps snowballing and everything that happens is, is a big part of something later. Mm. Hmm. What, um, talking about like the, I wanted to ask this question earlier, Nick and Alex, do you guys ever get scared? That like because of what you're doing and what you gotten what what Ryan has gotten you guys involved in like you guys ever get worried about like looking over your shoulder like going to your car every once in a while? Uh, <laughs> um, in the beginning, yeah, uh, but I think that's also where I was like uh, with the conspiracy stuff. Um, used to be very very big into it, and it's kind of taken a backseat as the show progresses because we're kind of getting further away from that. Uh, mm. and more into the positive and the love and the light. Oh, um, but in the beginning, yeah. And there was some things that happened to Ryan um, that Ryan was texting me as it was happening. And I was oh, like, Jesus dude, look, I'm, I'm going to be there. Like, you know, what's going on? Um, so definitely in the beginning. And now I'm just like, I don't, I don't worry about it at all. Like, <laughs> I, that doesn't really cross my mind. 
Uh, yeah. But it's interesting though. I do see uh, why the conspiracy theorists are upset about the the comic, um, and it's like I, I feel that because I get upset about when when mainstream TV shows, mainstream Netflix adaptations take these real conspiracy theories that are like proven real and then make them like some fake TV show. So you don't know where the line mm. is. Like it, it kind of construes everything. Yeah, um, it? But yeah, take me off mute. I'm just not going to stop talking here. Uh, <laughs> so I get it, but you absolutely sold me. I feel like I need to go read it. So, oh, you yeah, have Nick, to, are you, uh, so you scared the government's going to come get us? No, you, uh, Nick, you've no. lived some of it because you like, I don't think the audience knows how long you and Ryan have been buddies. Yeah, we've been friends for um, too long. No, I'm kidding. I love you so much, Ryan. <laughs> Find uh, it. We, we, we've been friends for like 15, 16 years, something like that. But I will say no doubt when I first started finding finding out about like all the government, like, you know, involvement and shit like that, like. I was afraid. I was like, I would be like at their house eating a peanut butter and jelly and be like, I'm going to get shot through the window. <laughs> oh, man. Window for sure. And, and, but, you know, after so many years of seeing like the, the Bledsoe family just like sharing their story in whatever way they can and, uh, and continuing to meet with these government officials. And, you know, I've met some of them and it, it's just not even a, it's not even a factor for me anymore. It's not even a worry. I think uh, I think we and our project are in good hands. I'll just say that. I think yeah. we're protected. Yeah. Did Zero we, fear. Uh, Robin, did we did we uh, get to? Uh, oh, okay. Just... Okay. So here. All right. So we we left off with uh, with uh, Cole was now with Hawk. They've uh, the you know they're flying off somewhere now, and as they're on the way. Hawk is giving Cole these lessons about, you know, the, all the, the Freemasons and Crowley and all this stuff and, you know, magic and manifestation. And, uh, you know, Cole just keeps questioning why, you know, how how is any of this going to to help get rid of uh, the, the airport? And hmm. the, they're sitting in a bar now at this point and Hawk asks the bartender to put on the TV. So he turns it on and there's a news report about an explosion at that airport. And Hawk explains that, well, now there's going to be news reports, you know, all across the country because I have all these connections and it's going to show footage of uh, the fire at the airport. And then they're going to show videos of these tunnels underneath the, the airport that contain nothing but luggage. <laughs> so that's that one cleaned up. So from here, they have now, you know, completed this trip. They've traveled out somewhere. Which, uh, oh, they, yeah, this is the thing. So uh, after that, Cole now sees the, you know, the hawk in action, you know, that, that he made a, a thing happen. And so he asks, uh, asks Hawk if Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, the, the leader of the department, asks him if he believes in this stuff that, that Hawk, the, you know, the methods that Hawk uses, because it doesn't seem like Lee's style. And uh, Hawk explains that, Lee hates this stuff, but in 30 years that Hawk has been with the department, he's the best that Lee has. And he tells him a story of how Lee and uh, Doc Hines, who is another member of the Department of Truth that we met, uh, in 1967, they tried to create a tulpa. 
they wanted to catch a UFO, but what uh, they caused a bridge accident in West Virginia where 46 people died. And what they created was not a UFO. The Mothman. <laughs> Mothman. Yeah, Mothman. Yeah. So now so cool. we're coming into the part of the Department of Truth that gets Tom sexually excited. <laughs> <laughs> because issues 10 and 11, we have uh, Hawk and Cole are uh, flying out to a rural part of Oregon. They have flown out to this rural, rural I can never say the word, I sound like I'm drunk, a rural Roger. area rural the rural of Roger. Oregon. Uh, where they're going to head into the woods for Cole's first encounter with a wild fiction. They're hunting Bigfoot. Yeah! yeah so, uh, Tom, take us uh, into the origins of uh, of Bigfoot. In in the real, see, this is why this is so meta, dude. I'm like, are we talking about comic? In real <laughs> life, the Patterson Gimlin footage. What, what I don't even remember specifically what it was originally began it, but Patterson Gimlin have this footage. There is. There's been this belief that there is Bigfoot, you know, something in the woods that is uh, Link, who knows what it is, this big beast man. And people have been, you know, trying to get after people are seeing and hearing things in the forests. And they believe that it's a true physical creature that is a link between like, you know, uh, the missing link or whatever. Something that's been able to be so elusive that it can hide in the forest. And um, I'm, I'm trying to forget what the origin is in the comic. I'm starting to forget. It's, a, it's the same. Thing. It's the exact yeah. same. Yeah, and it's... and what's what I love about these issues, uh, it's two issues they did on it. Yeah, uh, ten and saying. eleven, and it's about this father who, when he's a boy, he's out hunting with his fa- with his father, yeah. and I think at first they see the tracks, and then he straight up sees the fucking Bigfoot, right? And he sees it, and so it's one hundred percent real to him. So for the rest of his life, this man goes out into the wilderness like leaves his family behind because his entire life he's been ridiculed that no one believes of what no one believes him that he saw bigfoot so his entire life is now dedicated to this obsession of finding proof so he can show his family show his son like look because because it it has torn his family apart his wife his wife divorced him his wife kept the son from him you can see in the in the letters back and forth that like they're keeping the son they're, they've been to therapy like they've been telling the son like man, you know we can't we can't keep like exposing you to your father it's bad for you blah 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 and so his father the entire time is just trying to find like proof that this thing exists to be able to prove once and for all that he's not crazy you know and at one point his son did believe him and at one point his son was saying that he believed him and then there's this letter from his son to his dad saying like i have to let this go i have to let you go and it's like fucking heart-wrenching yeah it was it was emotional yeah and and this arc bounces these two issues you know they bounce back and forth between this story you know we we see a a few of these letters and these letters in the book uh are written out you know as full letters you're you it looks like you're holding the actual letter in your hand Mm -hmm. the way it's uh, written out and illustrated so it goes back and forth between, you know, this this family and seeing the guy still devoting his life, you know, 30 years later to to trying to find this proof to to show everyone that he wasn't crazy. And we see uh, Cole and Hawk are arriving in the woods and they meet up with another department operative uh, named Darla. And she handles, you know, these wild fictions. So while they're out there in the woods, uh, Darla is explaining to Cole that uh, reality works differently around these fictions. You know, tell them that you're looking at something that doesn't quite exist. 
That's why you can't take a clear picture of them. Uh, so mm. you, you can get a sunburn at night standing near them. You get nauseous and people have seizures. Uh, she says you know, that they're mean fuckers. They're not animals. They're thought mm. forms. Yeah, my dad has rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. Pretty up from uh, constantly being around, you know, orbs or, you know, whatever. It definitely, according to this, the CIA indicated that it, you know, that takes a toll on your body and it's, it's uh, kind of like causes inflammation. I don't know. There's something about the energy coming from them, but th- this would be, this would have to be constant exposure, constant, constant, you know, face to face exposure. And, um, as uh, something that blew me away, Ryan, when you guys talked about on the podcast, is that the understanding of the la stigmata in um, yeah, that's kind of where I was going with that. Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, well, that's that's what the um, that's okay. So this is a real long, crazy ass story, but this is not the Department of Truth. This is my real dad. So he uh, somehow or another got involved with the Vatican just through huh. correspondence. No big. <laughs> like not not that he was like working with them or anything in that capacity, but that they were uh, corresponding to him uh, information through certain Jesuit priests. And they even held a ceremony for him in the papal hall um, to pray for his rheumatoid arthritis and try to heal him. And like they they took a photo of my dad and they placed it in the Vatican secret ar- archives beside the manuscripts of um, Galileo and Copernicus and <laughs> essentially they essentially indicated that he had the stigmata, but you know, in their Vatican secret archives. Oh, I forgot to even mention how he got involved with these people because there was a professor um, of religion and philosophy here at the University of North Carolina, uh, Wilmington, who had um, contacts at the Vatican and had the clearances to to study their secret archives and was going um, with that figure I had talked about earlier who was deep down in the Department of Defense. The whole book was written about him and everything. My dad is kind of like a secret backstory to that book that was not published, but you know, basically formed the whole thing. And they went to the Vatican to do some study on the UFO phenomenon. And, you know, they, they know for sure, you know, they have ancient writings of like light beings coming down and performing miracles for villagers and shit like that. And saints like the St. Francis of Assisi having rheumatoid arthritis, like symptoms from constantly being around these holy beings of light that they, they were depicting as angels. And, um, that's what they had. The Jesuit priest had indicated to my dad that they believe he has stigmata and that he was like, um, after death would be known as a saint because of his experiences. Jesus. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus H Christ. You know, not that they would, I'm not saying that they would officially like, you know, he'd be on the Catholic registry of saints, but that, that his experiences were indicative of, of that, you know, kind of title. And that's, that's the whole, you know, that's the Vatican thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, they, they essentially told us straight up, like they, they know the secret history of UFOs and how the religious phenomenon from around the world was really these light beings just coming down and giving these revelations to mankind at different, uh, points of consciousness being like on the cusp of hitting that next level of, technology or spiritual reasoning or whatever. And, you know, they are responsible throughout mankind showing up these beings showing up and guiding us through our next technological breakthroughs. Um, kind of like guiding us up to where we are now, you know, on the, mm-hmm. on the verge of um, the age of Aquarius. And they had indicated that there were nine orders of angels in, in 
the Catholic archives, they have these writings called the Nine Orders of Angels. And when you get into the real secret UFO shit here, you start talking about like the orbs. Some of them are cherubs. Some of them are, you know, seraphim. Some of them are real bright, burning, powerful entities that can step out and 10 foot tall manifested beings of light are speaking to you face to face. My dad's had experiences like that. I've seen little tiny things in my bedroom, little three foot, three foot, four foot tall guys. Yep. Uh, you know, and you just look at the nine orders and there's even ones known as thrones. Well, when you see the big orbs, the big light things in the sky, the real big ones, those are thrones. And, and it's just, you know, this is kind of like some real secret shit, but, uh, Plato said, so podcast, more information, ladies and gentlemen. Um, (laughs) okay. We're, we're getting towards the end of, uh, what we're going to, uh, to keep you guys wrapped up right here. So so they've gotten into the forest here. We spend these, I'm invested. We okay. spend these two issues weaving through the stories of of this man who has had his life torn apart, and the the you know Department of Truth operatives who are hunting this this Bigfoot. And uh, th- another part where I want to mention the art uh, in this particular issue, while where they're going through the woods, uh, like Martin has done things where like you know, the the text is weaving through the environment that the characters are are walking through you know it's become a part of uh of where they are and it's just a a very cool thing it's again it's so well done but you can say that about every issue Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so as they're they so darla knows that they like she can feel it you know she she knows that they're getting close to the bigfoot she you know she's getting the feeling from it now because you know Mm -hmm. that you feel them when you're near them and as they're getting close to it, you see that our our friend who has been hunting it his whole life is now seeing Cole through the scope of his gun. You know, he sees these other people in the forest as he's looking through his scope. And while he's standing there with his gun drawn, the Bigfoot emerges right in front of him. Oh. And he drops his gun and his eyes start bleeding. And, you know, he, he can't do anything. It's right there on top of him, just looming over him. And, you know, Darla offs the thing and it falls down dead. And this is a part where one of those parts that I mentioned where you you don't know what to feel about Hawk, you know, because you know he's done these really terrible things. But he's also been giving these lessons to Cole you know, teaching him things that it doesn't seem like he should need to know. While they were on this walk through the forest, he had Darla teaching Cole the things that she knows too. So he, he keeps getting all these lessons from Hawk and he doesn't know why, but he also had his partner Ruby telling telling him, you know, don't trust Hawk. He's, he's charming and he's going to get himself under your skin, but he's dangerous and he will hurt you. So it's, it makes it really hard uh, to know what to make of Hawk. But then we get this moment where he approaches this man who, you know, w- was there in the forest with them and, you know, asks him, he knows why the guy was out there, asks him how long he's been doing this. And the guy tells him 30 years. And he says, well, you know, no one's ever going to believe you. No one's ever going to believe that, that you found it. But that doesn't matter because you know, you know what you found and that's all you need. You know, you, you can stop now. Your, your hunt is over. You, you live your life. And sends the guy off to leave, and Darla says, "Well, we we can't let him live, you know. Like he's he's a loose end, so they're they're supposed to kill him." And you know, uh, 
Hawk wants to let him go. And Darla says, you know, Lee's, Lee's not going to like that. And Hawk just says, well, I'm not going to tell Lee. <laughs> so it's you know one of those parts that we just he's rebelling yeah and yeah. and it's so it's but it's another instance of hawk's doing a good thing now you know he's doing right. the good yeah. guy thing it's great like his job is terrible yeah. he's like he's for the bad guys but he's like morally he's he's questionably good exactly yeah i like that i love stuff like that yeah, yeah. it's all gray area bro yeah it's like you never know who's on what team dude ryan you should read this <laughs> so are, 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 are we going you know to what, go bro? I'll have to check it out <laughs> are, are we are we going to go into the end of issue 12 and 13 here and sp- spoil for them how this ends oh, or... you know what you know what so at this point we've gotten to 12 and 13 and I don't know I kind of feel like it's so good it's so so good yeah that like it might have to be experienced for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll it, tell it, you it, so, it's worth it. It's yeah. worth it. And yeah, it's it it will take a while to read to get to this, but the payoff is worth it and oh I knew like it's been a while since this issue came out, you know, like we said we're at like what 21 oh, yeah. or 22 now. Mm-hmm. And you know, the going back to the end of issue 13, like I remember still that when it came out, issue 13 became my new favorite issue. I, I remembered that the end was crazy and that there was this great twist. But going through it, you know, reviewing it again just yesterday uh, to prepare for this, it, it blew my mind again because I forgot how many layers there were mm. to this twist on a twist. And it's just yeah. crazy. Mm. Yeah, I the first well, time I don't want to disappoint reading... anybody. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, man, yeah. no, no, oh. no. It's good. Like, I. That, that's why I'm saying, like, it's so good. Like, that's why yeah, I question: gotta... Do we spoil it for these guys, or do we just leave it for them to to give them to check? Well, I out? here's my thing: If if you want me to be perfectly honest with you, I want to know what happens next. And Ryan loves I, I, I no, 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 no. I'm actually like inclined to read this. My problem is I'm a lazy bitch. How am I going to get my hands on it? Am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be buying physical copies? Like, how are these? No, how dude, are these damn kids you, reading these comic books I, these days? I you can do it, you a link. Mm-hmm. You did? I sent you, yes, sir. Oh, so I, I, I'm not reading physical shit we'll, like back we'll then? We'll cut this part out. Oh, on my yeah. phone? The yeah, link is phones, for... Yeah, yeah. That's whack. I want the real <laughs> shit, bro. I mean, I didn't get a link. Buy it then. <laughs> no, seriously, though. I, I do want to know what happens next. If you don't want to spoil it for me, uh, that's that's cool. If you want to, I don't want to disappoint anybody out there listening who might want to hear what happens next. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's your call, guys. Honestly, if if anyone listening hasn't read this, they shouldn't be listening anymore at this point. But yeah, like if <laughs> if if you think that you will go read it, it is it is really best experienced I'm, reading it. Yeah. I, here's my thing. I'm a big guy for firsts, you know, and like this would technically be if I was to read this, this would be my very first comic book. Yeah. I've never read a comic it's book, a good so one. That, it, w- it would be kind of like cool to make that plunge, you know? Yeah, so. and yeah. and there would never be uh, a more perfect comic for you in particular, yeah, right? Oh, you no know, with, right. with your it's family perfect. like this, right. the this comic couldn't come closer to being about you. It yeah. might open <laughs> some it stuff is, up in know? me. It might honestly really open some stuff up in me. Let's, yeah. uh, I think it would. Yeah, let's save the juice for him, as we say, but. Yeah. Um, in How about meantime, this? I can read it, and we come back for a part two in the future. Dude, there you go. Hey, for sure. Let's yeah. go. And, and then, and then we can have you tell us the end of issue thirteen. Yeah, and and what you thought when you read it. Yeah, just I like to, that. I love this idea. Yeah. A quick, a uh, just to show you that, what is the artist name for the the variant covers too? For some of these issues are insane. This artist, oh, yeah. uh, Vincenzo yeah, uh, Riccardi. 
this is yeah. whoa. Dude. This is his. Yeah. This is the cover thirteen. This is one of the variants. Look at all these crazy Dude. things that they put in there. You That's can see insane. the compass, the Freemason compass on her book, and then the all-seeing eye on the other side. Well, there's like a DMT entity in the sky, but his face is like an inverted pentagram. Well, that, that's, that's the Starface man. Starface man. Yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. Uh, do we do we have a picture of Starface in here for him to see? Uh, not by... He looks kind of like the thing from Spirited Away, except he has amazing. a star on his face. This here's is amazing. Issue, uh, here's issue ten variant by the same artist. Oh, dude, that is sick. Yeah, that is so this, sick. This really is just like handwritten and hand drawn. Look, by look the at God the G. Look at the G. You see the yeah. you see the Freemason thing right there? Yeah. Yo, we got to manifest uh, doing an episode like this with the author and the writer. Dude. Oh, yeah, I've, my I've, I've, gosh. I've, sp- I've spoken to them about that. Oh, my God. <gasps> well, I mean, <laughs> that's insane already. Wow. Yeah. That'd be dope. That's so wild. Let me see. But yeah. um, Robin is, I think, trying to find some uh, yeah. good good footage of uh, Starfaced Man. While yeah. he does that, um, one of the spinoff uh, digital comics they did was... Department of Truth Wild Fictions. This is the cover for it that I bought uh, from the uh, artist Martin Simmons. So that's the Bigfoot in a wow. fetal position. There. Wow. This is Jeremy was with me when I picked this up. Right. In oh no way. Yeah. So and you can kind of you can kind of see how it's like a painting and like the layers and how it's like you can see like the watercolors dripping down to the bottom and stuff. Wow. It's like wow. Super detailed, stuff is masterful, man. Yeah, dude. His art uh, is just amazing. This isn't really relating to this, but do you have uh, handy your uh, commission from Ben? Dude, where I put that? <laughs> so the, I this no other where I put it. this other artist, Ben Templesmith, did a really cool commission for Tom too. Let me see if I can find one. Keep talking amongst yourselves. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just uploading. This is just a, a rando page that I found real quick. Uh, showing uh, the star-faced man. This is just a, a an interior page from one of the issues. Dude, he's dude, he's creepy. Look at that. And That's this is where he, it's characters like the star-faced man, where the the story goes from looking completely based in reality, you know, like re- realistic right. looking people and settings, to just right. this completely bonkers. <laughs> Can't I remember you saying that earlier. Kind of thing, yeah. yeah, like that looks like it's straight out of the Arkham Asylum graphic novel. Like yeah. the one of the panels of the Joker. Yeah, or whatever. That I mean, McKean that was art. absolutely demented. Yeah. Yeah. And they I also were love, like, I love how a third of the page is the green and then the other two thirds is like red and there's just like this distinct separation there. Yeah, dude. They they play around with the art like you wouldn't even believe it. Like one page will look like this, and then the next page will look like Steamboat Willie. Because, <laughs> yeah. because they're having Yeah, because they're having like a memory or they're thinking about something in a non realistic way. Like it, it is it, it is genius. That's amazing. The, the creative direction. Cause like the art is one thing, and then the writing is another thing. But to be able to like craft this experience in this way it's like you have to be a visionary to be able to do that and and it's it's something that is i I gotta be honest it's really rare you know and and department of truth has captured it they did it uh the the other issue you were talking about earlier was it seven or eight that you were touching on i believe it was seven the one with the the um 
orbs of light yeah let me um let me confirm so, that real quick so the the artist of issue seven that is uh tyler boss he's the same one that did the cover we were looking at earlier he was the one that did yeah that one there you go Tom. right right yeah, that, which tyler is boss which well. is just crazy that that issue is about light beings and orbs yeah. of light like it's just, it's that's a huge synchronicity but yeah. um, yes, I I just looked it up and confirmed that is issue yeah. seven. And just to clarify this, that image on the left there is um, depicted about per- specifically my father's experience. This is a painter yeah. by the name of Doug Ald, and um, actually he had some paintings that eventually made it in the Smithsonian. Very talented, very gifted painter. And this 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 photograph, this painting is actually like really tall. Like yeah, I think it's like seven or eight feet tall or something like that. Or it's yeah five or six feet tall. I mean, it's, it's very life-size and um, yeah, there's some Easter eggs in there that he had put his own touch into, but the core elements of the story are, you know, the fact that the UFO association and with, with, you know, light beings. And as I was saying earlier, she had appeared as a bull and it's insane. Oh, and if yeah. you, if you look carefully here, there's a triangle in her chest. Um, you, you have to look mm. very close. You see? Mm. Yeah. It's in, yeah. Really, really These, like light. Yep, these entities appeared with triangles on their chest and said that they they represent the Trinity. That's what I was talking about earlier, the Trinity, the the male and the female, but also the child, which the truth behind us is or the truth behind that is that's us, that's mankind, that's that's creation. We are the children of the divine. So I wonder now is the triangle in her here anywhere? Yeah, maybe not. I mean, look in the symbol with the eye. Yeah, symbol. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, there we go. It's on the cow's chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. They got creative with it. Yeah, they really did. <laughs> yeah, t- Tyler Boss is a, a really great artist too. Uh he okay. he does uh yeah, he he he's done some other great comics himself too. Uh uh there there's one that's just coming back from a hiatus called uh, What's the Furthest Place from Here? That's a very cool book to check out too. What's the furthest mm. place nice. from here? Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah! Wow, man, what a what a fantastic time! I just want to thank you guys so much for having us on. It means a lot to us, um, and you can tell how excited we are by the fact that Alex showed up as the Riddler, and then <laughs> and then and the then biggest paid his ransom, and then it's not even Halloween anymore. And then said and then and then said seven <laughs> words live. <laughs> well. Right. I mean, I'm just doing my job here, but I want to say thank you to you guys because nobody invites me on. So uh, the people who invite me on are at the top of my list now. So, oh hell yeah, we're safe thank when the riddler comes you. around. Thank, thank you so much for coming, guys. This was really, like I said, I was really looking forward to this. Uh, you know, uh, two, two, three months ago, I I told uh, James and Martin that we were doing this because I was uh, I was really stoked about doing it. It was so a ton thank, of fun. Thank you guys for taking was, the time. It was super yeah. Fun you guys have an amazing show. It was so much fun. Thank you so much yeah, for having us. I don't think we said this live real quick, but um, I think we had acknowledged this before this. You know, before we said like, all right, let's do this. And um, today is uh, today is uh, Tuesday. Oh, tomorrow, yeah, the first tomorrow, November second. Which I know this will not come out that day, but by now, when this is out on November second, on our show, Bledsoe said so. We will have just released an episode where we interviewed uh, Bat Force Tom um, about I know that this. Guy. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, if you guys, if you guys like this and then hop on over to our show and check us out with Tom and, yeah. and, and we don't get to the department of truth talk until about an hour in, I mean, we go into all kinds of other things. So, and yeah. uh, when, when we post this episode, I'll, I'll link uh, your, your podcast and that specific episode with, with Tom as well. Oh, cool. Excellent. Thanks. Yeah. And uh, um, again, like, you know, if anybody's listening and love the stuff that you guys were talking about, Bledsoe said so um, on all the major platforms, uh, YouTube. We didn't mention the Discord. If you guys join the Discord uh, for Bledsoe said so, you get early access to the episodes on Mondays. Um, mm-hmm. And then more important than that, like your Discord community, like we talked about on your guys' episode, is just like nuts dude like already today i was already seeing people who have already listened to the episode they're like hitting you guys up hitting me up saying like how fun it is and they're all talking about i want to read department of truth now well guess yeah. what guys yeah. you're about to get hit with this episode and you're gonna get another dose of it so yeah. Yeah. We, have a, we have a discord too and i still don't know how to use it <laughs> oh if you hey. need some help man just let me know i can help you i made it all myself i'll, I'll oh, help dude. you yeah we'll, we'll invite you guys to our discord and you guys can get in there and start getting crazy Sweet. with it because yeah, yeah, I, I, it's it's we're just you know we have so much cross pollinate. Yeah, yeah, we, we but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll let you guys in that one too. But um, well, yeah, dirtier when you say germinate. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I just want to say it's so wild. Like when Robin was talking and he, uh, you were saying something, so I was over here trying to like. I think it was when I was trying to find. I couldn't find the uh, the comic. Basically, what it is, Ben Temple Smith, the artist. I got a a, cov- uh, a sketch cover of Department of Truth, and it's an alien autopsy, but it's a xenomorph alien on an autopsy table getting cut open. Oh, cool! Crossover. But while I was looking for that, I was like out of the room, like looking at you guys all talking, and it's like Bad Force Radio, but Bledsoe said so on Bad Force Radio, and I just remember thinking like. How the fuck did we get here? Like, what the? F- this is fucking crazy. This is the fusion well, dance special. We, dude, we tell the story on on the episode you just did on Bledsoe. That's Seth. right. We do good we segue, tell, dude. We tell the whole story, yeah, about good how segue. we became friends. So yeah, yeah. But Thank boys, you, honestly, like I know we joked, but seriously, like we're gonna find another way, another excuse to have you guys back on. Maybe in a oh yeah, of, uh, Let's maybe do when it more books anytime. come out. Yeah, when more stuff. And and this is this was a blast. Uh, like I said, Robin kicked ass with his research and doing this. Hell yeah, yeah. Shit, you know, dude! I, I, I skipped so much shit because <laughs> I didn't want to keep you guys here. This this would have yeah. been like eight hours long. Like, uh, it, it's impossible to do the book justice if you're not yeah. going through every issue heavily. There's just so much in it. Well, you crushed yeah. it. You explained it eloquently. You crushed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, Nick, dude. Like I was telling Robin, like when we were setting this up, I was like. Dude, I'm gonna sit back because like you and Nick are gonna be doing all the work because like you guys don't. <laughs> when we were on, when I was on your guys' episode, Nick was fucking reminding me of stuff that I had completely <laughs> forgotten. So, oh, it's that's, fresh. It's just that, fresh. yeah. That's that's the crazy thing about the book though, because there's so much happening that it's like the the next thing you read pushes out something that you read before. Straight because up, you can't hold all those things in. Because yeah. it just keeps getting crazier and crazier, so you're forgetting everything that just happened because crazier yeah. shit just happened. You know, and what I mean? and and anyone who hasn't read the book already and you know aside from you guys if anyone has just listened to this and beyond i'm sorry that we spoiled so much for you but you shouldn't have been fucking listening this far you gave him <laughs> warning. you gave him yeah. fair warning in the yeah, beginning we, yeah. we told her we were gonna yeah. do it. well yeah. we like oh, we should have probably said it the, we did we did well and um I know i'm not discouraged the, yeah you're gonna want to read it yeah more. i want to read it more yeah, yeah i really yeah, do you've, you've you've gotten half of the story by yeah. by what we just went and through. i'll forget yeah. half of it oh yeah <laughs> but um Anyways, boys, again, once again, thank you guys so much for coming on. 
Loved Thank having you. you. Definitely have to have you back. Uh, and we'll be chatting much more after this. But um, any other part? You know what? I'm sorry, Ryan. After all of that, what is the one message that you were trying to spread? What is the one message you, Nick, and Alex are trying to spread with Bledsoe said so? Well, I'll let them. I'll let them give their take on that. I'll give you my take on that. And then, you know, I think we all have something a little different we bring to the table. Me personally, what I just wish every, if, if I had a platform to speak uh, directly to the whole world, I would say, be positive, think positive, do positive, uh, speak positive, you know, because ultimately, you know, there's 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 eternity after death there's there's an afterlife where you go and it's not like you're suffering in hell i mean it's it's a beautiful journey of reincarnation and there are beings that come here and help us when we need it and i don't know i just think there's so much negativity in the world people should spread love should spread joy should spread positivity and just hold on to hope that, that's uh, that, uh, it's it's a rare sentiment for for people to want to put out positive. Like, we have gotten uh, flack from you know followers or listeners, you know, whatever before because you know they they perceive that we only say good things about you know like oh you're you 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 love every comic you talk about and every well it's not that we love everything we we read or watch. We only spend our time talking about the things that we liked and we have something yeah, positive yeah. to say about. Why the fuck would we want to spend our time talking about yeah. things we didn't like? Exactly. You know, there's, there's enough yeah. negativity. It's better for your mental health. Why are you going to exactly. sit there and it's, it's like the whole man of this is, listen, this is, sorry to go on a rant. This is the philosopher's stone shit. This is the secret of manifestation. People sitting around and focusing on the negatives, they're going to attract negative experiences in their life. It's a law of attraction. You know, that's why it's so supremely just utterly important to focus on positivity, to spread positivity. It's infectious. It's, it's light, it's love, it's warm. And it's a very real energy that exists outside of our five senses that, that we can only detect through feelings and emotions, you know, it's joy. It's real. Mm. It's light. Mm. Nick, Alex, Hell what do you guys uh, feel that is, is your, uh, what is, what is you guys is trying, what are you guys trying to kind of get with the show put out there? I'm trying to get Alex to take me on a date. Uh, I think <laughs> that handsome With son. The mask. Look at him. Look at him. Yeah, look at, look at, look at the no bone man. structure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on now. Look at the bone structure. Come on now. Look at oh, man. Give me a shot, shot Alex. Give me a mm-hmm. shot, dude. Come on. <laughs> we don't even know. We had a psychic medium no, on who said uh, in a past life. Record. Yeah. <laughs> there was a delay there. I'm sorry. What'd you say? I'm kind of. Yeah, I said me and Nick go on a date. We all go on a date every time Nick comes to town. That's true. <laughs> Pretty much. And for the listeners, we had a psychic we medium on our show not, uh... who said they were married in a past life. Yeah, no. Vincent. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, Vincent Ooh. Jenna came yeah. on the show, and he said that me and Alex were married in a past life, and that so Alex was like a Saudi prince, and I was like his like hot babe. So, you know, I just wanted to Sick. take me out in this timeline. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, we can do that magic. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you give your your answer, Alex. What do you think? All right, yeah. So I'm kind of delayed here, so I'm doing my best. But um, <laughs> no, I think Ryan said it beautifully. Uh, we are. I feel like we're all pretty aligned, us three, and and, and uh, the team that's not on camera right now, um, as far as what our mission is. Uh, it's just spreading the positivity, the light, and the love. Um, I'm super big into the manifestation as well. Uh, we've seen we've seen it. We've done it on our show. 
Uh, I do it every day in my daily life. Um, and uh, I'm just trying to make sure that the show runs good, man. As long as these guys can get out there and sound good and look good and send the message, then I'm doing my part. So Awesome, man. Yeah, it, we we very much are all aligned with like the message and like what we want to be putting out into the world. It's all about love, light, and positivity. Like it might sound funny, but think about every comic book you've ever read, every video game you've ever played, every movie, every book, everything. the The moral of the story is always like friendship is power, love is power. Like re- yep. relationships are the greatest wealth. Love will defeat the darkness. It's always what's talked about and we believe that those are real mystical ancient truths and they're never going to not be true um and you know i think we've all had our personal lives enriched by spreading love and light and positivity and we've seen what a profound like positive effect it has on not only our lives but more importantly all of the people around us there's a very real emotional return there Oh, yeah. And it's just got us like if every single person did this, this world would be a utopia. The world would be heaven. It it would be it would. You know what I mean? It would be a perfect place. So we're all just at a place in life where we're like, there's one goal here and it's just spread love, spread love. That's it. Beautifully done, boys. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And I got to say, man, like, you know, not enough goes to the team behind the scenes, because if you consider how quickly you guys have kind of started well from where you've started to where you are now the quality of the show is so high for something that i mean how many episodes do you have so far total we just recorded up to 70 so okay. we were around 65 yeah. 66 i think yeah and like the, a year and a half released the yeah. the quality of it for like a quote-unquote newer podcast like it's like there's you guys are leaps and bounds ahead of like i mean fucking we're still almost kind of rinky dink, you know. We've been doing it for a while. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Come no, on. but I mean, like, it shows. It shows to like the quality that you guys like really put into it, and the time that you put into it. And you know, like, I know um, Jenny's a part of it. Alex, you got you guys are just killing it. So shout out to Jenny. Shout out to Alex. Shout out to everybody else. You know, behind the scenes, um, that's helping you guys do your thing because it's it really shows, you know, uh, in everything that you do. So that means a um, lot. Thank you, Robin. Any parting thoughts? Thank you. Uh, actually, I was just thinking about something as you were talking about the production. I was uh, noticing uh, the background picture that uh, that I've got behind the images here, and it made me realize there was one uh, artist on Department of Truth that uh, we haven't spoken about who who did a lot of the uh, the variant covers, and that is Jenny Frizen. And I'm just uploading a picture. Of it. There we go. So I'm just going to put mm. this up front here. So that Beautiful. center image of of Babylon, that's a, a Jenny Frizen piece. Yeah, she's done a lot of great sick. covers for these. She's outstanding. That's so too. sick. Been in our wow. lovely background all episode. Yeah, 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 hell yeah. It's amazing. That's awesome. But yeah, well, ladies uh, and gentlemen, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it was great to uh, to finally go, you know, fairly deeply. You know, we went halfway to the deep end uh, in examining <laughs> this, but it was really cool to finally get to do this. And uh, there, there isn't anyone better to do it with than you guys. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And thank likewise, you so obviously. Likewise. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Check out Bledsoe Said So um, on all major platforms, including YouTube. You can see their beautiful faces when you're on there. Um, that's Bat Force Radio. And uh, yeah. All right, guys. Later. Later. Woo!